What is up? We are back. Episode 39 of the DLSS podcast. UFC 251 is in the books. Kamaro Usman defeating Jorge Masvidal by unanimous decision uh, in the main event, which we'll get into, as well as Alexander Volkanovsky retaining his title. And I guess what you would call controversial split decision. I will not call it a robbery. We got a lot to talk about today, especially on that topic. And then in the third title fight of the night, Peter Yan comes away with the vacant bantamweight strap, defeating Jose Aldo, putting him away in the fifth and final round. Uh, crazy night, guys. So I'm really looking forward to breaking it down and getting into it. So without further ado, I am the host of this show, D-Love, and with me as always, my main man, my partner in crime. What's up, Nate? Nate Deptulo. How you doing, bro? I'm doing fantastic. Just ate a mayo cheeseburger. Oh, God. This again. <laughs> no, I didn't. Actually, I had pokey today. It was good. Uh, man, I'm killing it this week. Oh, gosh. That's Gloating all I can already. tell you guys. I'm killing it this week. You guys didn't think I'd come back on the points challenge, which you'll hear later, but I'm coming back. Uh, but I believe Dustin brought a guest today. His name is, I don't. I forget his name. What is his name? <laughs> wow. My name, yeah. <laughs> My wow. Name, yeah. We got a lot of Jeffs on this show. I would never forget his name. His name is Harvey Akala. How do you pronounce your last name to be exact? Alcala. Alcala. Al- Al- if you want to say it. it. Sounds like a superhero name, Why? like a Mexican it's superhero Alcala. name. You got to oh. throw that Latin flair on Alcala. it, I see. Get a little closer. Talk a little louder. He's soft. He's a soft-spoken giant. But yes, Harvey Alcala, friend, training partner, fellow fighter at the gym, MMT Fitness, of course, is joining us today. Thank you so much for participating and coming down and having some fun. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, dude. Harvey's in the building representing the new MMT shirts. That I am. Dang, dude. We're representing the blue and the black. In the Yeezys. Damn, he's looking him up and down right now. Dude, what the heck, You got a weird look in your eye right now, Nate. You're just looking this guy up and down. He just gets cuter every time I see him. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. I got ready just for you, Nate. Oh, my gosh. And you, Dustin. This is taking a very weird turn. Oh, yeah. Your hair's... Oh, no, your hair is done. I was going to say. I was say, it looks normal. My hair is a fro, bro. Look at this. Check this wig out, bro. I saw it the moment I got yeah, in here. Yeah, it's crazy, across huh? The room. I was like, damn. Nate's going all natural. He's got yeah. a, a oh. big mop on his head right now. He's going long, baby. I like it, I'm committed. Like it. I'm committed to long hair. Yeah. Well, Harvey, we're here to talk about some fights, so I wanted to ask you. You told me something a few minutes ago in the garage. How did you feel about the overall, how these fights went this weekend? Oh, man, I'm not going to lie. I was, I was heartbroken on some of them, and some of them were good fights, but the title fights, one of them in particular, I... That one just I got to me, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of, what would you say? You're heartbroken and, and hearts and emotions and love and bringing it back to what Nate was alluding to already. Yeah, he absolutely, absolutely smashed in the predictions challenge this week. <clears throat> Excuse me. And as I kept kind of admitting last week during my picks, I was like, I know this is a heartstring pick. This is a, an emotional pick. But I didn't go. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't go. Uh, I went 50-50 with my, heart, my heartstring picks because in my mind, because as we'll get into definitely in detail this week, with the Max Holloway Volkanovski pick, I went with Holloway. We, you know, are in consensus in this room in terms of thinking that, you know, he should have come away with that decision. So I don't necessarily feel like my heart got me into trouble that 
so much in that case. But, yeah, with the main event, I went with, with Masvidal, obviously, and that didn't work out. Nate eloquently last week pre- prophesied and described, you know, it was a little predictable if Masvidal was going to win, but exactly how this fight played out from beginning to end. And, I was uh, on point. It was, it, I it was, was on point. If you listen back to last week, yeah, Nate, uh, definitely, even with the, the fight that didn't go his way with the Jose Aldo fight, man, he kept trying to remind Pedram and I about, remember, like, the talent that, that Jan's face versus Aldo. This is Aldo's last chance. He looked really good against Marais. Yeah. That was a hell of a fight as well. So but, we're going to get into yeah. it. Uh, why don't we start with the with that one? Why don't we start with the Jan versus jo- Jose fight? Harvey, did you want to start first or Nate? I'll start, no problem. Go for it. That Let's go. That was an amazing fight. I think Aldo looked great in it, and he was doing pretty well. Jan, of course, was doing great too. It was a good back and forth, but I think Aldo still looked good for – I don't want to say he's old, but he's older now, you know. And he's like MMA years is like dog years for this guy. He's only thirty three, I believe, in like age, actual age. But in terms of experience and fight experience, this guy's an he's old been soul. A while, man. Yeah, absolutely. All the damage yeah. that he's taken too in those fights and training as well, and plus he he's at a lower weight class than when he originally started. So I mean, he said in the interviews that it's a lot easier for him to make uh, thirty five than it was for him to make forty five, mm-hmm. but. Most people won't understand that means he's he he consciously sacrificed muscle mass and did things in, in terms of his lifestyle change, diet and, and exercise to sacrifice some of that muscle mass so he's even leaner than before, less mass overall. So I mean that could affect your gas tank positively too, um, less oxygen needed for those muscles. But yeah, go ahead. Oh, that that I was just he looked really good though, considering everything and even during the fight, it looked like he was holding his own. It's just that last round. I mean. It was, yeah. it was. I could see it being back and forth too, but he still looked pretty good, even after the first round where it looked like he, uh, where he did get hurt when he was on the ground. I think Peter Young got him. Oh yeah, he punched a body shot. Either they yeah. speculated either he had a sore, broken rib, or I personally thought he got him in the liver. I just don't think he was flexed. He didn't expect it. I thought and he I got he him in the solar plex at first. Sure. I was like, damn, did he get him in the solar plex sternum? What's going on? But then, like you said, they said something about a rib. Potentially, yeah. Yeah, it, it made sense. Cause but he, I mean, that's the first round. Looked significantly hurt. Like fight could have gotten stopped, right? And then yeah. it went to the fist. So I mean, kudos for that championship heart and experience for sure. But I was thinking it might have been that rib too because he hurt his rib when he was supposed to fight Connor. The that's first true, time, right? Yep. So it might have been old injuries flaring up as well. I You're talking about injuries during training and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, they're known to train full bore down there. Yeah, man, I've seen this. If you look at some of their videos of them training, even when he was. Uh, reigning in the 145 division they they go hard man the nova and yeah fucking like 100 percent. it's basically live goes when you're sparring i mean that's a whole conversation for a whole other podcast but but absolutely i mean jose aldo looked phenomenal he looked a lot better than a lot of people gave him credit for nate kind of alluded to it last week is like it was this is probably his last championship opportunity you know Putting that on top of the fact that he looked really good in that performance against Marlon Marais, surprising a lot of people, including us. You know, 135, less muscle. Other things, man, we were talking about it. His chin actually looks better at 135. Is it the 135s are hitting a little less, uh, you know, they're a little less powerful, or is it just him? Like, I don't know. Uh, as um, unexpected and, un- and counterintuitive as, as it might seem, Jose Aldo has looked renewed and better down at 135, even with his two now now two losses. But, Nate, why don't you give us your assessment on the fight? And, I mean, he eventually just petered out, but he definitely was looking like the Jose yeah. of old with leg kicks and all yeah. at the beginning of the fight. Yeah, he was definitely throwing leg kicks and mixing it up. And, um, man, he was tough. He Dropped was, him with that leg kick. Yeah, he the, the second that leg kick, man, put, uh, put Peter Jan on his butt. Uh, I, I think, overall, you guys hit all the main points. He looked great. Um, 
the thing that didn't look good was his cardio after the third round. Yeah. Um, at first, you know, I thought maybe he was being conservative. Um, but then as uh, as time went on, he, he just got slower and slower. Like, especially when you choose him to win. I'm watching him. I'm like, oh, oh don't worry. He's just oh. – I try to make my heart feel good. Like, oh, he, he still can win. He's not tired. He's just conserving energy. He's got another explosion. He's got in another – but he didn't. You know, he just got – he got tired. He he got really tired in the last two rounds. I mean – He was very active. He's he got was a doing gr- a lot of good work, a, He's got too. a great poker face. Sure. So I didn't think he was that tired. Sure. But, but he slowed down, and just the younger, fresher fighter was able to – Slowly to, overwhelm, to yeah. just slowly overwhelm him in pace. Because I think up to three rounds, Aldo was in great control. I mean, I think Aldo was just inching by each Causing round. damage, making Peter Young yeah. switch stances. So you're making your opponent fight in his less quality it, defensive yeah. striking stance. It was close, but I, I mean, when I watched it, I, I had it inches, just inches to, to, to Aldo with pressure – and with just uh, with significant strikes, uh, it was very close. But I had uh, Aldo inching away, and yeah. right after the third round, fourth mm. and fifth round, uh, he just got gassed, the tight overwhelmed, turned, yeah. and uh, the fight was called. Yeah, and 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 that's just unfortunate. Um, but um, you know the ref, you know the people, a lot of people are saying that the ref, oh, the ref's there to do his job and save the fighter, but. If you watch the replay, because because anyways, p- if you guys didn't see it, Peter Jan was on top uh, of of Aldo. Aldo he was in turtle position, just turtle kind position, of uh, yeah, just pounding away. But he wasn't throwing super super hard, and Aldo was blocking a lot of the shots. But he yeah. it was just he was blocking one minute of shots. He wasn't trying to change positions or transition or get up. He was just sitting there. And some of the fact some of those blocked shots were almost circumstantial, given his position and where his hands were. Yeah, and he right. had to block. And so and so. You know the the whole contention that people have in terms of like yeah. it should have been stopped early. Obviously, I, I think it, I think that was many long. I think for me, is a championship fight, fight is his last property opportunity. But this is the thing: the contention is that people were saying those last forty five seconds, like he was already mentally done. He just wasn't. You know, he's had too pride to you know tap you know, the strikes or something like we, that. We people have said that, but we've seen fights go completely different. We've seen fights where guys look like they're almost knocked out cold, and then. Randomly recover. And I mean, get we talked up. about the Pat Barry Check Congo fight last you week. Go check that saying? one out. So you know, for Gray this, Maynard, uh, Frank Yeager. Yeah, oh, compared yeah. to fights that I've seen before, uh, there was a chance. And but that forty-five seconds of him, I think the ref called it at just the right time. Sure, yeah. he gave it enough time to be like, all right, this is Aldo's last chance. If he's gonna pop up or he'll, do something, roll his back up soon. Yeah. Um, give him time. He's not taking too much damage. He's blocking most of these shots from top. Peter Jan's not going crazy on him. Not yet. Okay, it's been okay. Okay, yeah, he's not moving. All right, yeah, yeah it's time. Okay. You know, so so I'm with you on there, yeah. You sure. know, I don't think it was a bad call. I think that he gave yeah. him an opportunity, and he he didn't give him an opportunity that was so long. Like, there's a difference between giving someone an opportunity, and then and the then and giving someone an opportunity when they're getting racked up, sure, way too long, taking too much damage. There's a difference. I don't think Aldo was taking a lot of damage. Yeah. Um, in that position, I think he was blocking some of them still. I just think Aldo didn't have the gas or the mental fortitude to to change positions, um, or he didn't have a concept of how long he was really down there. Sure. And he was like, "Damn, I, I sat down there too long." It doesn't matter. I, you know, yeah. when you look back at it overall, he he got tired. He yeah. got tired, and in the age shows there. You know, Peter Young was just younger, fresher, and was able to pick up the pace and finish it. He was if consistent. it went five rounds, yeah. could it have been three to Aldo? Maybe. Sure. Um, but you know, Peter Young. Um, kind of like the co-main event, which we're gonna definitely talk about. Yeah, yeah. but overall, Peter Young, great performance. He's young. He definitely lived up to the hype. He faced Aldo, so. 
I mean, I'm excited to see who they got facing him next, and uh, we'll, yeah, we'll see, man. It's probably going to be Aljamain Sterling. That's the word. And, I mean, credit to Peter Yarn with that consistent forward pressure, um, even taking the damage he did to enough to make him switch stance. And, I mean, there was he was taking some fucking significant yeah. shots from Aldo. Aldo looked f- really, you know, he looked spectacular in the first couple of rounds. Uh, body leg kicks, leg kicks. kicks. I mean, he looked he looked fast. He looked powerful. And Peter Yarn definitely had to adjust, and he was he was Peter Yarn was not able to pressure him like he, like like he, he normally does. Normally Absolutely. No, so he was, and you notice, like in the third round, they went straight tie. Mm-hmm. Their stances oh, yeah, were like, a, that was, I love that, dude. That was great. I said yeah, they're about to get down. Go. I was like, they're both about to get down. Dude, I that felt was sick. They were both like in a mutual agreement, like, all right, let's do tie. Let's see yeah. who breaks. They used, they used to spar together, so yep. it's like, you know, just yeah. But overall, guys, younger, fresher fighter. Slowly but surely overwhelmed. Yeah. The tide turned, and then yeah, that consistency piece, and then that youth and that uh, pressure yeah. and the and, and that cardio, eventually overwhelmed him. Because you're right, Peter Young was not able to pressure and push people back like he normally does. It took him four, five rounds and taking damage and continuing to pressure and Aldo to get tired for him to be able to start executing that game plan. But credit to him to be able to be in uh, his non-dominant stance for the for the majority of that fight and still be able to continue to slowly but surely execute his game plan. Um, you know. Like like you said, excited to see him fight next. I think it's going to be Aljamain Sterling. I think Aljamain Sterling poses a lot of threats on the ground that Peter Yan um, isn't necessarily prepared for if it gets to the ground. But man, is that a he's a scrambly, you know, he's, yeah. he's a wily guy. He, he's very seldom can people keep a hold of him and get him down. So it's, a, it's an interesting matchup. I was too, Aljamain Sterling, until yeah. I see him fight again. Dude, I'm that like, Corey oh, Sanhagen fight, Corey Sanhagen in my mind is top tier, world class, and he took him out first round, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, well, that does that. So, uh, let's just move back. Uh, let's jump to the main event, actually. Jorge Masvidal, uh, unfortunately, he does go all five rounds, but he was unable to pull off the upset, the sixth down. I mean, how you would ever want to look at this, but the short notice call up to replace Gilbert Burns. Wasn't able to get the knockout. Um, wasn't for a lack of trying, man. Those first couple rounds he, he was going out own. there. He held his own that whole fight. Yeah. I even tweeted this out, and I showed this to Nate. I said, look, win, lose, or draw. This was like in the round three or something. I said, you got to give Jorge. This can't get lost. you got to give him credit for his wrestling um like his chops and, and the work he's done at improving his wrestling. I mean, this is against Kamal uh, Usman, who's obviously the champ and a phenomenal. He set records taking people down, right? So you got to give it up to Jorge for at least his wrestling defense, his overall performance thus far in the fight. And you and you cannot say that he did not deserve to be in a title fight. Um, some people, you know, criticized him, saying that his his hype and his name value and things like that were the only reason he was able to get this shot against Usman. Yeah. And his performance, lasting five rounds, doing what he did. I mean, we've seen Kamara Usman. What did he do to Woodley? What did he do to other former uh, and title ch- challenges, right? So... I just wanted to give uh, Masvidal his props for his performance, even in a loss. Yeah, you know he, he couldn't throw it. He couldn't throw him around like he did Woodley and other, and and he couldn't strike with sure. him like he did Kobe. Um, yeah, I was extremely impressed. I was. You guys got to give Hori his props because a guy in his position for fighting that long. Finally getting a title opportunity. The guy's been in the game forever. 16, 17 years. And he yeah. took it on two-week notice. Most people in his position who wants a title fight against a guy like Kamaro, most guys would say, no, I want a full camp. Sure. Yeah. I mean, he tonight. was training previously for this fight before negotiations fell through, but they did. They replaced him with Gilbert. So there was, I mean, there was videos of him in this famous restaurant in, I think, Miami that serves, like, slabs of cut meat. I mean, he was definitely oh, yeah. did not think he was fighting in a Salty, couple weeks. Dude. Yeah, yeah, dude. So, yeah. So, yeah, he definitely took his foot off the gas. So short notice fight is true. Maybe six so days. So that just maybe shows not, you yeah. the mindset. He's willing to jump in at any time and face you. Um 
he performed good. Um, he, he stuffed almost all of his takedowns. Absolutely. And was able to get up fairly quickly. Most guys that fight Usman cannot. Yep. A um, couple good scrambles when he actually did get to the bottom, too. You know, and especially for knowing that, that, that Jorge's had issues with grapplers and losing, like, close decisions because people want to grapple him like that. I mean, that's the case that happened here. People don't know this, but he brought in Bo Nickel, who's a Penn State world champion, one of the top wrestlers in the world right now. He's working in secret. He's trying to shore up his yeah, liabilities. Clearly. He's a real martial artist. He wants to level up. But go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, clearly, like you said. So that proves my point. It just shows you the amount of work that he was putting in behind closed doors. Yeah. So his wrestling's only improved. Sure. If only he did this six, seven years ago. Yeah. yeah. You well, know, let's, let's transition over to the, the person we should definitely make sure to give a lot of credit, the champion who yeah. dominated and won the fight, and yourself give you a lot of credit for just, you know, pretty much describing word for word how the fight was going to go. I think what we're doing right now is just saying, wow, it actually went... Um, Jorge just, you know, put up a lot more of a fight longer down yeah. the stretch than you probably assume would, given the short notice, given his uh, defensive grappling liabilities in the past. Uh, but, yeah, well, why don't you go ahead and transition over to, to Usman? Yeah, you know, Usman did a great job. At the beginning, he, he, you know, Jorge came out launching kicks, right? Oh, yeah. Launching kicks, launching hard shots. And we saw in the first two rounds a couple times where Usman almost engaged in that wild war. Usman threw a couple wild combinations. As and soon as he got a taste, though, he was like, uh-uh. Yeah, <laughs> and I said that would happen. I said he'd get a taste of it, and I said that eventually Usman would just do exactly what he did, which is clinch him, put him against the cage, mm-hmm. hold him there, strike from there take him down a couple times, close the distance, put him against the cage I got to give myself a little credit because there were those exchanges in the clinch up against the fence that we you were talking some about. Elbows. And a couple elbows were landed, but it just nothing was significant yeah. enough to make uh, to make exactly. Marty that, start backing up. That surprised me, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Him throwing those elbows, I didn't think he was going to throw elbows. Knees and elbows from the clinch, not yeah. only in open space, but when he was back is up against yeah. the fence, that's one where he's adjusted to people putting him there. Yeah. And if he can land something significant, he knocked out um, uh, Cesar Fajeda off, off his back off the clinch, or I'm sorry, off the fence, just like that, over the top elbow, something like that. Like he's had a couple significant explosions off the fence like that and hurt someone. So I just knew there was a potential if he could rock him and hit him hard, but it, nothing was significant enough. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, I remember you talking about that that last week when you called it, and I just I remember predicting that he's got great head position in the clinch. He puts it right under your chin, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't give you a gap, it's and true. he's very spatially aware. Um, he just kept closed distance the whole time, you know, and he almost in the first three rounds almost got into a little swing in battle with Jorge, and he just was like, "No, I'm not going to." And well, the one thing I was surprised though with Jorge is that we we didn't see an Usman that we normally see just a dominating performance. Usman was literally like doing everything he could to not engage. With Masvidal, yeah, and he take was him down. After the first he round. and and yeah, yeah, he's he's literally it showed that Jorge literally he put up a fight. Like, yep, that Usman over. was like put on on his feet. Like Usman was straight up like, I don't want to deal with this guy. This guy's way harder than I expected. Yeah. I'm just going to inch it out. He wasn't comfortable in any position other than clinch. Yeah, game bread, game yeah. bread, man. He came. So he's a really dog, sh- brother. Yeah. It shows you the fighter. And that with the short is. notice, like the I think, that he has. Um, game plan wise, he probably knew. Okay, this is early or nothing, early or bust. I mean, credit yeah. to him, he made it all five rounds. But game plan wise, he probably do. He was just gonna try to have to execute early and as well. And his cardio held up. Dude. Yeah, yeah. Overall, it did. I mean, for you're gonna get tired for twenty five fights, stuffing that many takedowns. Absolutely. Yeah. And he was still saying he wasn't his gas tank wasn't where he wanted to. So yeah. I was like, Damn. What would it be like if he did have a full gone gas tank? You, you know? saw what he said to him after the fight too, in that the in the cage. 
Oh, that uh, they would run it back. To yeah, her, right. Yeah. Yeah. He's I'll like, I'll, I'll get a couple wins and we'll come back and do it again. That's I, what Jorge said in the cage, and then later Masvidal, or I'm sorry, Usman, Usman packed that up. I think Usman even wants to. to he wants a, a full George, like he wants sure. a, a George at his bed. I'm sorry, Jorge. I don't want that <laughs> <laughs> Espanol there, but no, yeah. everyone, anybody, especially Usman, because we've talked about kind of his marketability challenges and things like that. Like if there's that storyline going in, which people alluded to ahead of time, why why Jorge had a, you know kind of a nothing to lose scenario because he ha- already had that built-in excuse, so to speak. So Usman wants if if that's gonna do if anyone's gonna take away credit from Usman, which they shouldn't, but because of that, just. And like we're doing, you just give credit to Hori for how well of a performance he put up. But you if someone's going to try anything to, away from exactly, uh, but some people are gonna, which is stupid. So he's probably like, let's shut like, those I, people up. I wasn't. A, I, Plus he knows he's going to get paid again. For me, it wasn't the most entertaining fight. Like even though I could appreciate everything going on, you know, sure, I, I appreciate more striking. But I get it. He did what he had to do Absolutely. to keep his belt. And that's how he had to go about yeah. it. Yeah. You know? And what did we talk about? I said it <laughs> to you. I said credit to Jorge for putting up such a fight, making it a way more, inter- quote unquote, entertaining fight for Usman than we've seen in the past because he's been so dominant. How about Jorge and those stone feet not even flinching? For real. That shit does hurt as stupid stomps. as it is and as, g- as lame yeah. as it seems. He took like 10. Uh, those 10 things hurt. <laughs> like and he, a lot of body shots in the clinch. Yeah. Yeah. He was just smiling, blowing kisses, man. Oh, yeah. I love dude, this. Dude, what a character, dude. Yeah. yeah. Well, you guys have any other final thoughts? Thoughts on that fight, or I just it was entertaining though, even though it's not my kind of fight. And then even when you, when Usman would take him down, he was kept swinging and swinging. But activity from the bottom. And then Usman just did what he had to do. He found a way around it. He would like move his head, you know, put it, his uh, forehead or the top of his head on uh, Masvidal's chin. It was a good fight. He did what he had to do. One of those times he was in side control, and uh, Jorge was in some precarious situation, and he exploded, rolled out, and then eventually recovered guard. So even on the floor, to Nate's point, as he was talking about, he was you know he was defensive enough to not take much damage. You know what I mean? Yeah. The the few damage he did take were from those elbows. Yeah. And then he tried to adjust. You could tell. But it was great to see Jorge's ground game because I'd never seen his ground game. Well, ATT, Dustin Poirier in his fight against uh, Dan Hooker when he was on his back, very active, punching knee, I'm sorry, punching, elbowing, trying to get up, not just conceding the position, right? Yeah. Jorge seemed very similar. He was either going to be active or he's going to be getting up. And he got up several times. They're active because they just, they want to, they want to brawl, man. Even they want to fight. Even if you take them down, it's like, I'm still going to swing at you, man. I'm gonna There's long uh, long or lost those days of the, like, Diaz brothers or the Paul Daly's who are on their butt for two, three rounds and just complaining the whole time and also not getting up. It's like, the complaining's not winning you any rounds, no. brother, so you got to do something and about when it, when I too. see complaining, the only thing, I, it's mixed, it's MMA, right? Sure. But when I see a fighter complaining, I don't think he's complaining because he, he's the better fighter or he, he thinks he's cool. He's like, come on, stand up, dog. Sure. That's what the people want. I think he's complaining because deep down inside he knows he can't get up because if anybody yeah. was gonna just yeah. talk shit for the sake of They'd talking shit it would have been jorge but guess what he did he just he, he shut his mouth and he stood up he got, yeah. the he, got up. The, he got yeah. up that's right so. so just shut your mouth and get up but congratulations <laughs> to kamaro uzman yeah, another dominant performance he matches gsp's record in terms of overall consecutive welterweight wins not title defenses or anything like that but welterweight wins um i mean he's a dominant force we saw that video package before the fight that was you know the ufc and their production team is doing as much as they can to try to make him a scary like you know a a character a figure that's marketable and sellable because the guy's just lukewarm nothing against him but he doesn't care too much to try to promote himself his kind of over the top arrogance and swag really doesn't do much for people and so but that's I I guess him or his thing right yeah so what do you guys think is next for Kamaru Usman 
Like who? It's a very good question, but I think it's I think it's Gilbert Burns as well. Yeah. And this is why there's a lot of different arguments make you can make for Leon Edwards, for instance, because uh, he got passed up for the shot that Burns got against Woodley because he got because the COVID situation, and he was supposed to fight Woodley. There's other there's other people you could talk about, but Gilbert Burns in my estimation could be literally called the pandemic fighter. He fought in Brazil, the very first show that had no fans because of COVID shutdowns in March. Then he fought uh, at the Apex against Woodley during what some would call what would be considered the peak of COVID. And then he was scheduled to fight on Fight Island also during lockdowns, right? So this guy was willing and able. Granted, there's other things you can say about that. But he was able and trying to take these opportunities and willing to fight multiple times during this pandemic situation, right? And then he gets COVID, right? (laughs) So I think the UFC, if they know what's good for them, it's true. But if they know what's good for them, whether it's from a potential lawsuit down the line or marketing. I mean, the contracts probably negate that. But if they know what's good with, for them, I feel like they'll do right by Gilbert Burns for being so willing, stepping up and doing all that, fighting during all this time during yeah. COVID. And he's yeah. a lot more marketable than a lot of the guys right now, especially Leon Edwards. Sure. Yeah, you can't hold it against him. The storyline of them being teammates and stuff like that is easy for them oh, to work yeah, with. Oh, yeah, that's a great thing to oh, watch. Oh, yeah, I forgot you know about saying? that. That's true, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that that would be the next matchup. Plus, I'm not going to lie to you, like, that's similar to the Jorge matchup, but just with um, exceptional jujitsu. So it's just going to make Usman have less options in terms of the grappling. So to me, it's a yeah. very exciting matchup. Yeah. yeah, that would be a good one. I'd like to see that one. Yeah. All right, guys, let's transition to the co-main event. There's a lot to talk about in this fight. I uh, I want you to guys to give your opinions. I want you guys to describe some of the fight, and I want you to go into it. But uh, let's not go too deep because it is um, part of the portion for the this segment rules segment, which I'm doing this uh, this week, the first installment. So please do give your thoughts and don't worry about it if it's doubling up, no big deal. But give us your thoughts about the fight. We're going to give a, a brief little rundown, your opinions about the decision and just the overall fight. And then you guys go first and I'll give you my thoughts. I, I had Max winning at three. to two. I concur. You know. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. Even though I picked Volkanovski. Uh, I had a three to two first three rounds. Um, Max just—it was obvious pressure, uh, striking, uh, performance, just everything. Yeah, there was one of the rounds. Knockdowns. There's one. Yeah, the knockdowns. Two knockdowns. Yeah, yeah, two. One in round one and round two. Yeah. Yep. It was head kick and then and then an uppercut. Yeah, and uh, even one of the rounds, I the one of the ones that Volkanovski took. I think it was pretty even, but because he did that flurry at the end, I think he stole the round. Yep. You know, which is it's why either three or four time. that you're referring to. I have to watch the fight back, but three and four are the yeah. swing rounds, the controversial rounds. Some people say it's definitely round three. Some people say it's four. Uh, but those were the swing rounds that if one of those this rounds case, was definitely Volkanovski's. I exactly mean, two for sure. But one of them, I think five. He stole. Five he stole. Five is a hundred percent. It was him. Volkanovski. Yeah. yeah four, you could say Volkanovski or Max, depending on how you looked at it. I personally feel like three was the swing round, but that's the one that. If you look at the actual scorecards that the judges, two of the judges gave to Volkanovski, so ended up giving him the fight was round three. So, yeah, go ahead. Harvey. I think Max looked really good, too. I think he adjusted, made the necessary adjustments that he needed to. And he was looking good and he looked like he was having fun. He didn't look frustrated like he did the last time they fought. You Absolutely. Know? He was calling it out, putting yeah. one finger up, then two finger ups after the first and second round, mm-hmm. calling it. Yeah, I, I thought it was great. It was. Um, it was fun to see him in there and having fun with it too, because in the last fight they had, you could just see like almost not, not not desperation, but he was like, he knew he had to do something to try and catch up. Even though he says he won, and I could see how it was close, 
I still think Volkanovski won that last one. How about shout out to Pedrum and just anybody who said Max is uh, one of the adjustments he was going to need to make would be to check Th- and or throw leg kicks. kicks, man. He was yeah. doing our style, Thai style. You give me a one kick, I give you two kicks. He was yeah. doing a good job keeping up in terms of the points with the kicks. Yeah, he did good, man. Um, he, I, uh, I, got, I had it three to two. Uh, I mean, it was still Same. a split decision. Exactly. Um, so that makes it not as bad. Like when you're like, ah, oh, well, I see it could go either way with the swing round. But for me personally, watching the fight and paying close attention to the fight, the th- the first three rounds to me were clearly max. Same. That's what my uh, opinion is. Uh, yeah. That's my scorecard too. Especially with those knockdowns. Yeah, with the knockdowns, that takes it to a whole other level. Yep. But the only thing I think that Volk, I think what happened is, I I told it with you. Uh, I talked. I said it last night. Is Sometimes with judges that are either not fighters or which are usually not or not or people that are fans or watching. It depends how you finish the fight, even the last round. Right. So the last round, he took Max down like three times and he had a really, really good round. I love this point. I want you to continue. But I love this point because it's relevant to this segment rules. Okay, we're going to play because that actually doesn't come into the scoring technically because it's by round. But that would be alluding to what's called um, like scoring the entire fight Fight. versus round by round, which will, like I said, you're going to hear a little bit about in a second. Yeah. So sometimes I feel like that could sway that because Max was a little bloody at the yeah the even last two even rounds, blood right? can, visible if you're, damage visual yes. damage can sway how mm-hmm. judges feel like most fighters and people that actually do the sport look at strikes and what's thrown and how you defend and yeah. and uh, and I don't care about blood I just care about who's out striking who who's doing better but judges sometimes don't see that they see. And and it's based on your eyes too. Sure. Like sometimes yeah. you see blood, and all you do is look at them, and and, well, then, and you you start assuming that they're losing. Well, yeah. and then per- perception is a big part of this, right? So yeah. if you are a person that perceives that damage as more significant, whether it is or isn't, that's going to affect the way you're seeing the fight. Yeah. So, do those things play a factor? Uh, that's a whole other topic. But I had it three to two, Max. Uh, it's a bummer because he lost two in a row now. So I think it's going to be for him to. I, I don't want to use the word robbery because I don't think it's a robbery because it's it was controversial still, in my very opinion. controversial yeah. and close but I mean I saw it three to two and it just sucks because it feels like you know Max overcame a lot had a not really could couldn't really train trained on Zoom. <laughs> Dude, I text tweeted out that Zoom train is about to blow the fuck up after those first couple of rounds. And Holy was shit! It, it was able to come back, yeah, and was able to come back a second time and I think win the fight. So. You know, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, I really enjoyed the fight. I thought it was phenomenal high-level chess like we talked about last week and and watching it play out because Max is the master of adapting and adjusting throughout a five-round fight, and he had 25 minutes. It took him a lot longer credit to Volkanovski, um, which we need to make sure to touch on. We don't want to, you know, get him... Get lost oh, in all this, right? Great too. Hell yeah, absolutely. But the first fight, he definitely did better than this fight. So if he was going to win the second time, I would have thought it would have been, you know, more significant fashion. I thought so he was going to be more aggressive. So it, yeah, too. I thought he was going to he was gonna throw much more combinations. Yeah. I felt like he threw try less combinations, but used more wrestling. I mean, you heard end. what he said in the lead up a lot too about that too. You know, he was talking about saying, "I got, I, I got to make a statement. Yeah. I got to finish yeah. him." Yeah. He didn't but like that. He said Max thought he won that one, and he was going to put him away. And yeah. So I thought he was going to come looking for those big shots. And I mean, yeah. you always he's sure he was. Yeah. You know, but yeah. yeah he got in there, and he's more. He was more hesitant than the yeah. last fight. So the it credit like credit to City Kickboxing and though and those guys as for as far as how well of a job they did in the first fight. Which, but man, you got to give Max and his team his credit uh, camp credit for how well they adjusted. 
that slight little bit of extra distance, being a little bit outside, utilizing his longer reach, utilizing that leg range and those kicks. And, you know, half of the kicks that landed in the first fight landed in this one, although his leg was still a little bit chewed up. Mm -hmm. But, man, he was able to negate a lot of the successes that Volko had in the first fight. The last thing I want to say about this, because I think it ties into what you guys were talking about with regards to perception and damage and stuff like that, mm -hmm. and finishing the fight strong and perception in that way, there's a, there's a psychology of judging that people have talked about also, that like, okay, so Max did well and dominated, in a sense, those first two rounds, right? So even if he wins that third round, but just not in as much dominating fashion as the first two, some people judging psychologically will think, okay, so Volko did better in that round because he didn't get beat as bad, and then it's 2-0, so that now that one should go to Volkanovski. Like, I'm trying to over oversimplify it but no, the psychology it of perfect, comparison um, of how well he did comparison to the last round just because he did better makes them think that okay you got that round one and that, that and it may not be actually the case yeah. and then as nate and i have kind of gone back and forth before with regards to stats and numerics they come sometimes really tell the correct story but oftentimes they're, they don't tell the whole story right yeah. so you know in this case as we'll see like i said in the new rules segment they kind of touched on for a moment the stats were very very close as well so it's just it's one of those things. All right, we're moving on some other notable fights on the card. Davy Grant versus Martin Day. Grant came away with the win, TKO in the third round. Uh, Carl, or I was saying this wrong the whole time, like Carol Hosa, I guess, takes out uh, unanimous decision over Vanessa Mello. Uh, Julian Pavia versus Zagulas Zumugulov. Okay, Nate, real quick, we weren't going to talk about this, but won't you really quickly talk about why how pissed we are at okay. Zumugulov? So. Me and Dustin laid a dollar down on a 13-fight parlay. And let me just tell you, the 13-fight par parlay, you have to pick all 13 fights and who's going to win. Jose would have broke our heart later in the night, but still, go ahead. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you're right. It's the so only other one, but go ahead. But um, so <laughs> we picked all these fights, and this fight is one of them. How do you pronounce their names again? Oh, my gosh. The Julian Pavia versus Zalgas. Yes. Zuma Gulav. So... The first two fights that went down, we called perfectly. Even the underdogs. And we were pumped because we're on. This is for a thirteen hundred dollar win. One dollar. If we, if for we win the thirteen for one dollar, if we win all the, if we get all the fights right, um, we win thirteen hundred dollars. And third fight in, uh, I thought Zugalov a Lagabagala. <laughs> I, I thought he won, and we both did. We thought, like, significantly, if you look at it the was numbers close, right but, here. But, but he won. Look, at he got significantly 66 strikes from 52. He had two takedowns. Yeah. And I think he did it with the takedowns and uh, the pressure. He pressured, and he looked good. And he was a small fighter. But it went the other way, split decision. Yeah. Uh, and me and him were just like, well, there goes our 1300 bucks. We were excited because, like, oh, he won that. And he was the underdog. Yeah. So it was already a tough pick for us to pick anyways, yeah. but stats-wise, I thought he was a good pick as an underdog. And then every other fight was right Yes, yeah, so we we're like, picked. bummer, we're like, bummer, whatever. But then we just, for fun, kept checking back every, every time. Every fight was right, except Aldo. Poor Aldo broke our hearts. I yeah. mean... But, yeah, anyways, so we're pissed off at Zamagulov. But although it was a good fight, we did think he went. But this one, again, not a robbery. It was a, it, a, a close decision. Yeah, a yeah. close decision How for you sure. his last name? Zamagulov. I think you did better than I did. You nailed it. You definitely <laughs> did better than I did for sure. And then Marcin Tabura comes away with a decision over Maxim Grishin. That was kind of an, an underwhelming fight. Leonardo, Santo, Leonardo Santos, that was an a fucking shit show of a carnival fest. Like, three nut shots, two eye pokes, and a partridge in a pear tree. Like, <laughs> the longest 15-minute, 15, uh, 15 or I guess it was longer than that, longest three-round fight. It was like a 30-minute fight. Because of all the stoppages he, had a, in play. he almost used all five minutes. It was two illegal oh, uh, groin shots and, yeah. a, and an illegal knee to the head. This this fight, don't waste your time watching <laughs> yeah, that fight. I yeah, I so, And then I zoned out because I was like, damn, what's going on? I was so, in the other room. 
you know, taking so, in extracurricular activities for a while with one, and uh, <laughs> and then I come back in. I'm like, this is the same fucking fight. Yeah. 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 Uh, Leonardo obviously won. You know, Goddard uh, at, at that point just took away two points. He took away two points, and he was in his very well. Rights, yeah. He was he was in his right mind to take away two points because the first nut shot, like the second one, he was like, no more. <laughs> he could have taken a point already uh, on the first one, but the yeah. second one, he was like, he still didn't take a point. So he's like, all right, I'll let it go. He gave him plenty of chances. So it's totally fine if you do something illegal. A third nut shot, maybe one point, but this time it wasn't a third nut shot. He freaking kneed him while he was <laughs> one knee down on the ground. Dude, oh. and, yeah. Kneed him and, straight in the head. And, and not so to that, mention the effect it actually has on you going forward in the fight yeah. if you continue on. Oh, yeah. yeah, so at, at that point, I thought he two points for sure. He's like, I already, t- I already gave you plenty of chances not giving you a point for a nut shot, let alone two of them. Yeah. So this time you knee him legally in the head. Did he even argue? You could take two. No. Not the good. He, he felt bad. Argue. He was like trying to apologize. He was just heat of the moment. But you got to yeah. be professional. You got to know where your surroundings and know what you're doing. Yeah. Man. The thing I, I felt bad because his hands weren't on the ground, but totally one knee was down. True. So uh, they get confused because he didn't see the hands on the ground, but the guy had one knee down. What like, a great topic for this segment: rules. Yes. I was about to say. Yeah. yeah exactly. But anyways, obviously no. Leonardo Santos won. Crazy, crazy fight. Makwan Amirakani, man, comes away with the first round oh, submission. Yeah, that uh, was a gnarly one, dude. Throwback performance for him. He's always capable of this, man, but he's just never he hasn't been consistent for me in the past. And so I went against him in this fight like a dumbass. And Nate called a submission in the third, got it in the first, didn't even need it, uh, those extra rounds. But congratulations what to Amir Khan. too, man. After oh he, yeah, he the... that was a, he he put him out. Yeah, I, he, he went and grabbed his legs right away to try and get him. Yeah, what a I, I said that too. I was like, what a gentleman, yeah. dude. On TV, you could see the guy's leg twitching before the ref even realized that he was unconscious. I was like, bro, this guy's unconscious. His leg is twitching. Yeah, uh, yeah so he was he was put out bad. I want to actually mention something about the Leonardo Santos fight. Okay, what? Um, <laughs> I noticed that when Mark Goddard broke them up, he didn't separate them. He, like... When he broke him up, he just left him like the they distance. They were like right next to each other. They were right next oh, to each other. So it was so awkward. It was so awkward. Dude, one. it was yeah. so awkward. He did that a few times yeah. when he broke people up. That's yeah, funny. yeah. So it's like he just like, no, stay right there. No, they were like, usually you separate him because yeah. if there's bad blood or someone gets mad, you don't start yeah. attacking I mean, each there other. was a couple moments in the main event where they were separated yeah, and they were standing exactly. close. Yeah, yeah but the, he just close. left him. Right, right by each other. It's kind of like when you hurt your little brother, and you're like, <laughs> and your mom comes in, or your little sister, and, and she's just like, "What did you do?" And then you feel sorry, and I you're kind of just looking nothing. at him, and you're stuck right next to him, and it's all awkward. You're right. That guy was standing up. there, going like, I'm sorry, "I'm sorry." Yeah. Anyways, that was very interesting. Well, usually, usually they put him on the opposite sides of the cage. But Americani man subbed out his opponent in only three. Oh, I don't know, three minutes, fifteen seconds, first round. Okay, Muslim Salikov. He ended up taking the decision, split decision over Aleski. I'm sorry, Eliza Zaleski Dos Santos, Easy Dos Santos, another underdog pick for Nate. Uh, he got, and that takes us. Okay, real quick, I gotta mention it. I don't know why I didn't put every dollar in my bank. I do. I actually, I do know why. It's because fucking mm-hmm. mixed martial arts. You never know what's gonna happen. Someone can roll an ankle or something. But fighting in general, man, I, anything can happen. I just told everyone on the show last week, and in, and in, in general, anyone I could talk to that would listen, put the house, bet the house on Amanda Hebas, and she gets it done. Two twenty one of the first round, armbar. Oh, this Paige is Van Zandt. Paige, dude, she's a bad chick, man. I saw her highlights right before the fight. I'm like, damn, this girl's good. She was. It, it, 
It was, and pre- it was, just it was predictable. highlights, too. I didn't see any of her submission ones. This was basically Dana White kicking Van Zandt in the butt on her way out, saying, don't let the door kick your ass on the way out. See yeah. you later. And just let Amanda Rebus do it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That girl, that girl was pretty sportsmanlike, too, because she, uh, she, she, I think, just held the arm bar till she tapped and then didn't do much more because sure. she felt the tap and just waited for the ref. That's right, because the tap was on the other side of the body. That's yeah. right. You couldn't, the ref couldn't see it. I mean, Paige Van Zandt. Is that the same arm that she broke before? I'm not certain. I don't know which one uh, that she's broken several times, actually, yeah. over over once, more than once. Um, you know, we I kind of saw this coming. Everyone could kind of tell, read the tea leaves, that Dana White, you know, he, he's been known to kind of hold grudges in a sense, and Paige Van Zandt was trying to fight out her contract, uh, fight into free agency. And I think he said that she's more than welcome to go be free agents. Well, yeah, else. after he set up this matchup and got her ass beat. There's been other times that I can't think of an example right now where it's like, okay, you want to go somewhere else? I'm going to give you this fucking marauder on your last fight so you look terrible before you leave. It's crazy. It's like he, like... He was all for them when they first signed up, right? They were promoting them uh, like the crap out of her, her like crazy. So her, basically, her basically, there's a term that Nate and I use called getting Sage Northcutted, and it could very well <laughs> just be called getting Paige Van Zanted. It's they're too marketable for their own good early, so they get pushed too fast and get pushed against people that are just way, way more experienced, and then they get chewed up, and it definitely has a their their careers like fizzle out because they got push too fast. Yeah. So she she and Saint yeah. North Scott are the best two examples of that. Um, but, you know, she's still a talented fighter, just not the elite oh, of the course. elite. Anybody who gets in there or even gets signed to the UFC, exactly. they are talented one way or another. You know? And she's already talked about her income streams outside of fighting. And because she's got that side of her career or marketability for a brand, right, that is valuable. And she's got the combination of that and her skills that can kind of make a career versus, you know, other people just have the elite skills, maybe not the marketability and vice versa, right? We're talking about Kamaru Usman, things like this. So so she's a better fit for Bellator is what I'm getting at because they give you the freedom to utilize your outside sponsorships more freely and collect revenue streams from them as well as your fight purses. Maybe even one, right? Because one, yeah. True. But her boyfriend, um, I can't think of his, Vanderford, Austin Vanderford, I think his name is, is in Bellator already. So it's, I think the the writing's on the wall. I think that's what was going to happen regardless. And uh, yeah, man, but I told you about the house on Hebus, and that was a short and sweet fight. Okay, so the last two fights um, we're going to talk about really quickly. Jiri Projaska, UFC debut against uh, top five contender and uh, championship challenger Vulcan Ozdemir. He puts him away. That was a weird fight. TKO's, oh yeah, he's had some weird tactics. Puts him away in the second round by a TKO. Um, Actually, I would just call that a straight-up KO. Uh, But yeah, phenomenal performance, phenomenal UFC debut. Why don't you take it away, Nate? Yeah, like Harvey said, dude, that thing was weird. <laughs> when I, I because last week, if you, if you guys listened to the show, I picked him. And I picked him because his record coming in, he had ten KOs in a row. He's just k- killing people. Ten fights in a row, just destroying people. So I thought this guy was going to be like this striking anomaly, right? And just be this brute, this this great striker and a well-rounded fighter. And when he comes out. Dude, shout out to CJ, a homie from the gym that's a big supporter of the show. He's going to be listening this week. He said he wants to see this fool against Johnny Walker. I was yeah. like, my mind just blew out and is on the wall right now. You know, I was thinking something like that when uh, when he landed that nasty KO on Volcan. That's how you say his first name, right? Yeah, yeah, Volcan Osmir. Nailed Ozmi- it. Otis, oh, I'm going to stick with Otis Vulcan. Redding. Uh, <laughs> I was like, no man, time. Him and Johnny you say Walker no time. might be a good one. So yeah, yeah, but it, no. But, but it's like, do you put him against Johnny Walker? He just beat Ozdemir, and the only losses Ozdemir has was against friggin' the champions. Yeah, I was surprised. So I, I don't think like I think this Johnny Walker is not quite there yet. Yeah, you know, I, so 
That's the thing. No, I agree, which is why with this guy's performance and like that was so it was weird. Awkward. You don't really know right. what takeaways to take away. You know, because you don't know if down. he got lucky or yeah. you knew he had knockout power and yeah. put away his opponents, and that's what happened. It's like those defensive liabilities, because it was obvious that those those tactics and those things were definitely intentional, but yeah. those defensive liabilities that come along with it that he had, someone at the top level is going to catch him eventually, catch him. make him pay for this. I yeah. straight up thought he was going to get knocked I out. I did, when too. He was coming in, I was down, worried. jumping around and doing what makes like, Mocking Wing Chun stuff. I was like, oh, he's <laughs> yeah. gonna get slapped. What but makes then, me wonder is if his if he doesn't actually fight. I gotta see highlights of him. Sure. Because I wonder if he actually fights different. Because the second round he was a lot tighter and mm-hmm. and he didn't he wasn't as weird. And he awkward. hadn't thrown any kicks, which you guys pointed out in the yeah. first round, which was smart because he came out with that head kick in the second round. Yeah. And to your point, all that elusive weird behavior he did, he just went straight at him in the was second it, round. Was so it just maybe like a a, a ruse? ruse? You know, it might be. And nice. Because I know those those kind of people always like throw you off. You can be one of the most experienced fighters. But sure. If you got somebody who's just wild and unpredictable like that. That's usually the most dangerous ones because you're like, I don't know what this dude's gonna do. I yeah. mean, Tony Ferguson has beat people that have a way higher pedigree yeah. in striking, but be- because he's weird and elusive, and he comes at you, boom. Yeah, I remember watching it and how he was like moving and his hands yeah. were down in the heavyweight division. You don't want your hands down and just how awkward he was being. And I was thinking. How did this guy get through ten heavyweight fights without getting knocked out? Light heavyweight, heavyweight, yeah. You dude. know, so when oh, I saw was that, I was like, "Does he really?" That's a light heavyweight, but I think he's had a heavyweight fight in his amateur but, career. But I was, sure. but I was like, "How? How? How did he get? <laughs> who did he face?" Because I know he fought King Mo, lost one, but he actually avenged it. He came back and avenged that. Right. So he, you, he beat King Mo. It's got to be a ruse. Then, so I, you don't I, I we'll Mo. see how he fights next time because I'm like. Uh, that kind of stuff. I mean, like he was open a lot and got clipped a couple times. Yeah, by Ozdemir who hits like a Mack truck. So I'm thinking, hopefully that was a ruse. Yeah. Because the second round though, he came out and finished Ozdemir quick. So maybe it, ma- it was a ruse. Maybe it was excitement because his first UFC fight. Yeah. True. On the big platform. Right I've there. talked about that where whether it's the hands down basketball kind of swag is what I call it or whatever, where people just try to make themselves feel comfortable. Comfortable. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. that involves them doing things that are that d- they defen- don't normally do and are defensive. Yeah. It's not smart, but it's just yeah. like I would rather feel slick and smooth and confident and comfortable than keep my hands up right now. It's a weird yeah. thing, but well, it, it exists. For him, man. It yeah, was, I guess. That was a nasty yeah. KO. It was lie. head super kick. Nasty. Put him on, you know, Queer Street, and then that fucking was it. Wasn't a two three or was it a one two that put him out? I think it was a one two. I think it was, it was his right hook that put yeah, him out. It was right? a, it was oh, a, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a jab that pushed him against the cage, and That's then a, right. a sharp right hook right and on I the And I remember button. seeing the highlight and telling Pedram. If that jab doesn't land, because the jab did land first. Mm-hmm. If that jab doesn't land, maybe he doesn't get put out cold. He does maybe get rocked and dropped potentially still, because it was a clean ass right hook overhand shot. Yeah. Um, but that you've been hit before. All of us in this room have been hit before, where they get touched and then get hard half a second later on the half beat, and that not you know that that timing of the bang bang. Fucking really fucks with you. People underestimate that first jab too, because it yep. throws you off, and as soon as you're coming back, you don't see that right. That you're not able to brace coming. for the yeah. one that really gets you. If yeah. it misses, you're like, oh, I'm shelling up, and even if you get caught with that right one, you know, you still kind of it's are okay to to ride it. But sure, yeah. it was just beautiful. So I uh, I'm excited to see more of them. I really am because it's going to be interesting. Yeah, maybe put him with Johnny Walker, but um, I think Volkan Olsmir was a huge step sure. compared to, to Johnny Walker. I don't think either of them are ranked, so it'll be interesting to see yeah. who, who they face. Which yeah. is interesting based on you know who Volkan's lost to. And who, you know, lo- and like who we said fought, last week, I mean, know? giving this guy to Volkan as, Vulcan as his UFC debut is either, okay, we want to build Volkan back up, or they're giving this guy a lot of confidence and a lot of respect yeah, coming in. Yeah, that's you know? never fought heavyweight. 
I don't not the UFC. I don't believe. Okay. But he was a light heavyweight contender for a couple That's years, yeah. like, yeah. and he was in the top, top five for a while. The only people he's lost to, I think, is uh, was it DC and D- Reyes? DC and yeah, DC Reyes, and then one other person. But I think they're now's That's why I got confused. Now Prochaska Jones, maybe. I don't know if they fought. I don't think they fought. Uh, but well, speaking of beautiful, beautiful destruction and violence, a uh, lot closer fight than I expected it to be. Credit to um, Jessica Andrade, but yeah. uh, Rose Namajunas comes away with a split decision win over Jessica Andrade. Mm-hmm. Goes all three rounds, um, tuning her up in the first couple rounds. However, it was de- definitely competitive. It wasn't yeah. uh, wasn't a, a masterclass as I kept describing. That's true. That's I true. was going to say that earlier. I was like, man, there's a lot of split decisions but going like, on here. But, but that third round for Jessica Andrade, she put it on Rose. She was wearing it her eye got busted up her nose too yeah, yeah that uppercut or, came know, in and yeah. she smashed her a couple times but i thought but rose I, was dominating even the third round a little bit she, yeah she was doing i would good, say two to one shots. i would say i wouldn't say split I'm i would say you two, i would yeah. say two to one yeah, yeah. yeah. rose is, a, is man she's so game she's such a dog though like good yeah. for her uh you know she doesn't normally have to go through those wars to to get her victories but it's yeah. good to see she's got that grit she bit down her mouthpiece and fought back when she was yeah. facing adversity too for standing up the whole time and adjusting from the last fight she was getting Destroyed the last fight, so she made the proper choice. Yeah, she so like a gnarly flying knee too. A lot of the, that head, extra head movement, which yeah. I thought was stupid, but I was surprised. You know, out. with a lot of head movement like that, I I like to time head kicks because they usually yeah. slip right into. It. I'm surprised I didn't see more head kicks. Yeah. Maybe she was worried about the takedowns. Sure, I'll be honest. I th- I saw a lot of unnecessary movement, like waste energy, just, a yeah, lot of energy. And a I, lot I don't want to slip. Was far. I don't yeah. want to move my head too much and slip. If if I don't have to, especially if it's, it's a pattern, she was doing it very pattern yeah. for me. Yeah, one, so. two, yeah. three, four, five, six. I would have yeah. been like jab, jab, head kick. Yeah, yeah. right, right. I would have right. been like jab. You're gonna slip left, and j- yeah. my second jab, you're gonna move your head to the right, and I'm gonna throw a head kick yeah. after and just freaking clock very you. Bang, 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 bang. Yeah, it's just a waste bang. of energy. Obligatory man. Mike Perry coming. Yeah, you know. sorry. If you guys haven't seen, check out. He's in more trouble again. Yeah, Texas. he knocked out an old man at a bar. Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's not give next. it too much. Yeah. yeah hey, I know. hey, but at least this man put hands on him. Connor's guy was just sitting there, yeah. like, Didn't want not to take even his paying whiskey. attention. I think people forget that. It's like, it's not they're not always innocent. It's like, yeah, it sucks to say you hit an old man, but sometimes they ask for it. Yeah. yeah. And, and this guy. He could guy, have avoided it, that's for in sure. In Mike Perry's case, I don't, you know, in the. In the topic, if you guys aren't aware, we'll end on this before we go into the segment rules. Mike Perry did get in trouble. I think this is relevant. Um, he, you know, apparently he got into trouble at the bar. He punched an employee, and then uh, they kicked him out. They said they were going to call the police. Hit another guy, kind of, apparently, on the way out as yeah. well, and then was outside saying, and now this I can actually understand. If you've ever been in trouble with the law, if you've ever been arrested, this, I mean, he could have went away and sat down somewhere else and not antagonizing the situation. Don't get me wrong. But this is actually true. If you do get in an altercation and then you leave, you can be extra charged with extra things, like you're leaving a crime scene and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So Mike Perry was like, if you're calling the cops, tell me because I'm going to stay. That was to smart ta- of him. To talk know. to him. But he was there right in the standing still right in front of the business and continuing to antagonize the situation. And to both your guys' points, yes, this third guy, didn't he could have avoided this situation? If you're gonna mock someone, if you're gonna ex- try to piss someone off, don't be surprised if if it works. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Were well, they both drunk? Because they say they're both. I don't drunk, know. Maybe. All, I don't know. all I know is that window. Mike Perry called him a fat f word. Yeah. yeah. And then the guy's like, "Hey, hey!" and rushed Mike Perry and put his hands on him, and Mike Perry knocked him out cold. He said, "I'll knock your ass too." You know what I mean? Yeah. So. And he did it. 
And then, anyways, we'll see what happens with there. I, I, I think Dana White's uh, response was he needs some therapy. <laughs> For real. I mean, I always talk about and even gave him credit after he won against Gall. Maybe he's got, uh, you know, maybe he's more clever than I originally thought in terms of his marketability and, and utilizing that stuff. But, I mean, which may still be true, but. You know, so it's it's hard to tell, especially in this game and what you see with mixed martial arts in the public, like what's theater and what's not. But it's very obvious that he's in a very toxic situation for himself, mentally and emotionally. Yeah. And and I, you know, I I just want him to figure that out and get some help and and, and not worry about all these other things right now. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Yeah. But Rose Namajunas, just uh, sorry, we kind of cut into your clout there. But congratulations on a hard fought decision victory yeah, Jessica Andrade we everyone in the world as far as I'm concerned is is behind her fighting uh, Zhang Wiley now and I'm I mean after that performance I think it's going to be a tough ass fight for Rose but I definitely want to see it what do you yeah. guys think oh yeah it's going to be awesome it's going to be uh it's going to be interesting man because the Zhang I'm sorry the 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 Rose that fought um Yuana two times that's versus Zhang that's, that's what I want to see That's what I want to see. Zhang Wan Li. Top 3 girls man they're they're hardcore strikers. Dude strawweight is so deep in women's yeah. division and the rest of them are a barren wasteland. Yes. Yeah. It's just, you know, that's a whole other topic. Yeah. It's just that there's not a lot of women in MMA so when they do get thrown in there they have so low experience like Yeah. You know, and Victor's done a really good job to build it up, but that's really the only major major organization. Yeah. And there's other regional shows, but Invicta's really the only one that's like a feeder for the UFC. Yeah, exactly. So, so uh, I think it just that has to do with uh, the saturation of of the divisions and just women not getting enough experience. And the thing is, when there's so little of it, then the UFC has a lot of room for them. So, and they need them. So they're like, "Hey, come yeah. on in." But with but men, the gap in, there's in so many men. Sometimes so is a lot. So with the gap with men, there's so many men. You have to really stand out to be picked. Yes, absolutely. So in that position, it's like we already have enough guys in the roster. Sure, you have so to be you exceptional in, you to stand be exceptional. out. Yeah. So it, that's why there's a difference in talent. But with women, it's like that's uh, why Ronda was on top for so long. Just yeah, there just wasn't a lot of women coming into mixed martial yeah. arts that were experienced. Not that Ronda wasn't good; she was great, especially for the for time. that generation. Yeah. Absolutely, for, for, for real. It's just it's not that women can't be great martial artists. That's not the truth because you're seeing. Uh, you know, top killers, the Iwana, yeah. Wiley. You're seeing awesome fights, yep. fight of the year, potential fight of the year is the Iwana, Miley, and Miley Zhang. I think the they still got it sealed up. So, go yeah, I think... Smaller, which is good. Yeah, yeah. so I think it's just uh, there. there's less women in, the, in, in a women's MMA, so when they are needed and we need to fill the roster... The women that we're picking, it's just they're just not experienced. The talent pool but they're, they're, they're isn't all as that's deep. Let. That's all. They're all that's there. The so. talent pool isn't as deep, and then the women yeah. that do rise to the top, the cream that do rise to the top, are women that have been training for their whole life. Yeah. their whole life. You yeah. know, and then you got girls that want to do MMA that have been training for two years, got some amateur fights in, and. Last thing I'll say about this, because you're absolutely right, is that we're starting to see the new wave, though, with the Tatiana Suarez, is with the, I mean, uh, ABC, I'm sorry, the, um, what's her name? She just got beat by Roxanne Montefiore, though. Oh. Um, Macy Barber, right? Yeah. And um, the chick that just fought the other weekend, um, uh Kay- Kayla Hayes or something? Or Kayla Haynes or something like that? Redhead yeah, the Redhead Planet. that's here from Tip Planet. Yeah, she's, um, you know. That's three examples right there that when they went into a gym and started training martial arts, they started training mixed martial arts. They didn't start with a traditional specific one uh, art. They they wanted to be mixed martial artists. So that's like that new wave. I used to call um, Roy McDonald that first new wave of men's fighter that, you know, the first time they ever stepped into a gym, they were actually training at everything, not just one thing, right? Yeah. And so the, the, the evolution over time in the talent pool is going to 
you know, take some time, just like the men's yeah. did, right? So, but they are starting to see a little bit of that new wave, the Sean O'Malley's, right, and yeah. stuff like that. So, oh, yeah. I'm excited to see it, and they see what that new, I guess, class of women's MMA is going to look like. It's going to be exciting because we're already getting great fights. Yep, a so. great fight for them. Women, they, keep it up. And they got the fight of the uh, the performance of the night bonus, I believe, as well. So, congrats oh, to them. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a good fight. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up UFC 251. What a hell of a night of fights, man. I'm glad we could break it down for you. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. So stay put. All right. Let's do this. Um, I'm going to go ahead and do the first installment of the This Segment Rules portion of the show. Uh, but I'm going to be a bit lazy about it this week. Uh, got a lot of things going on. I definitely want to get this segment up and running and have it be consistent. But, uh, you know, with things I've been dealing with um, in my personal life, I just haven't had enough time to dedicate to it just yet. So I'm going to be a little lazy about it. I'm going to let someone else speak for me. But this is kind of like a good example of what I want this uh, segment uh, on the show to encapsulate. You know, it doesn't always have to be specifically a rule, like a written down uh, rule or policy, but just kind of some uh, things outside the sport with regards to, you know, commission policies or judging criteria or things like that. So it does apply. And I felt, again, like this was just a good example. So I know you guys have heard me mention him many times before, but Luke Thomas of the Luke Thomas show, uh, as well as the Morning Combat show, Morning Combat Dissected on Showtime Sports. Um, he's got his own YouTube channel. He puts out content as well, but a uh, frequent follower, listener of his uh, content. And so he had a post-fight press, um, sorry, post-fight special that he does after the large pay-per-view events. He'll go on YouTube and kind of react to the the whole card and then and talk about the fights, things of that nature. And on this particular one, he did go into a little bit more detail regarding the ten-point must system and some of the flaws that inherently has baked into that system um, and how that causes issues and controversies, in particular with decisions in mixed martial arts. So I'm um, gonna go ahead and play this audio here. It is a little lengthy; it's about ten plus minutes. Uh, but please listen and uh, hopefully take a few points from that. And then uh, my guest, Nate, and I will just go ahead and react to that. And then that'll be the segment for this week. So here it is. Here we go. The first installment of This Segment Rules. As a general rule, I don't pay attention. Over the line! This rule now. New rule. They haven't played by the rule. That's fucking illegal. It's a problem. Has the whole world gone crazy? It's unbelievable. It's time that they're going to stop. This is not NOM. There are rules. I've had it up to here with you. Am I the only one around here who gives a shit about the rules? This segment rules. co-main event. If you didn't see the results, Alexander Volkanovsky wins. He defeats Max Holloway 47-48-48-47-48-47. How did I score it? I had it 48-47 probably for Max. When I say probably, what do I mean? I'll get to that in just a moment. First thing, I really take my hat off to him and his team because they proved me wrong. I mean, yes, Volkanovsky won, but almost accidentally, quite honest. Um, Max made a gr- Max Max proved a point here. I I thought that if Volkanovsky won a second time, there really wouldn't be a case for a third fight. Bullshit. There is absolutely a case for a third fight here. Uh, I don't know if the UFC is going to make that, but in my judgment, you could and you probably should. First thing I'd say. Second thing I'd say is I think what really bothers people here is that Max won the first two rounds. Now those are not ten eight rounds, but they're abundantly clear max rounds. You think he dropped him in the first round. He may have dropped him in the second round too. He dropped him twice. I forget where he dropped him the second time. But Max did a lot of things different. First of all, the front kicks were great. He was, all his attacks up the middle 
where he would let Volkanovsky come to him rather than chasing him down. And when he did, he had the knees up the middle. As I mentioned, the front kicks, the uppercuts. Holy shit, they were phenomenal. Phenomenal by Max. I mean, such a great adjustment. Such a great read by him and his team. I, I'm honestly just, uh, you know, I'm super impressed because I did not think it could be done, and I was wrong. Totally wrong. Here is the problem with this fight. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear this, but you need to hear this. If you scored it for Max, you are not wrong. Okay? Quite clearly, you're not wrong. You can give him the first two, no sweat. And I don't think you could give him the fifth, but you could give him the third or the fourth. So, I wouldn't have even minded if one of the scorecards was 49-46 max. I don't think that's unjustifiable. 50-45, I couldn't vibe with. But 49-46, I could vibe with. Okay? Here's the problem. <laughs> and I know some people are going to hate this, but just hear me out for a second. The problem is 48-47 for Volkanovski is justifiable. Now, what do I mean by that? Does that mean that I agree? Not really. Does that mean that you should agree? No, it isn't. But when people blame the judges here, you are training your guns on the wrong target. The problem with this fight, to me, lays bare every criticism I have made of the 10-9 must system for fucking years at this point. The problem with this fight is that you and I can both look at what happened and when it's over, you're like, I think Max, Max should have won that one, right? Or you can even say affirmatively, yo, Max won that one. You know, okay, Volkanovski made some adjustments later and blah, 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 but Max won that one. Under pride rules, or now one championship rules, where you judge a fight as a whole, I don't see any way Max doesn't win. By the way, I have said this before. I think that the one system, there's so many criticisms you could make of one. But one thing you cannot take away from them is that they were right to pick the scoring criteria that they did. Everybody wants to put scoring criteria into place that gets overly specific as a, as a way of having a guide, uh, guiding uh, system, right? Where it's like we have just enough nuance, we don't have to leave things to chance. But the reality is the more layers of complexity, I think, that you put on scoring criteria, the worse that it gets. You do want to have some things that you value more than others. You do want to have some clarity about what matters and what doesn't. But when you just score a fight as a whole and you sort of look at it in that perspective rather than round by round, I find you get much better results. That's my personal opinion. You know, your, your mileage may vary. Because here is the central problem with this fight. Under the 10-9 must system... I'm not saying I agree, but I understand a 48-47 Volkanovski scorecard. I do. I'm sorry, I do. I know that's not going to be what people want to hear. I'm not telling you you have to agree because you can have a scorecard, 48-47 for Max. I'd agree with that too. As I mentioned, you can have a scorecard, 49-46 for Max. I'd agree with that one too. I wouldn't take any issue with that at all. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is exactly the thing I am trying to tell you about if your scoring criteria is so fucked up that not only can you have two different winners in the same sort of scenario, but that they can go from, you know, a 3-2 barely for one guy to a heavy 4-1 the other way. Something is wrong. <laughs> your scoring criteria is not very effective at capturing what matters in winning fights. That's the problem to me. And folks are like, how could you find three rounds for Volkanovski? Okay, fifth round seems fairly straightforward. For the most part. Fourth round, I think folks would want to give it to him, maybe, if they were being generous, let's say. So let's say it's four and five for him. 
So then round three is that swing round. Now, again, I thought Max, I think Max took that one for me. But do I understand it given that they were very, very close in striking and it wasn't exactly clear that one guy, I think, I could be wrong about this, put their stamp on the other one. Yes, I do think that makes it hard to judge. Whenever you have relatively, what was the output on that fight? Let's see here. That will help us understand this a little bit. Okay, round three. Yeah, Max only landed 15 significant strikes, just 18 total in that round. Uh, Volkanovski landed 25 of 52. Round three, Volkanovski landed 34. Holloway, uh, 27. Again, these are numeric scores, not qualitative scores. And then in round five, Volkanovski, 37. Holloway, just 26. Folks, I have news for you. That's a numeric score, not a qualitative one. I get. What I'm trying to explain to you is when... Output is that low, which is not super low, but moderately low. And the numbers are that tight, right? Where you have, in the case of 27 to 18, you don't even have a two-digit uh, integer difference. It's just a, sort of nine here in this case, right? Whenever you have that, and Max, by the way, stuffed a takedown. So that didn't go anywhere, okay? Whenever you have low output, it's relatively close in numeracy, and... You don't know what each individual judge saw or didn't, which I'll explain in a second, and you don't know their individual preferences for what they think matters and what doesn't, whether they're even aware of it or not. Some of those biases are conscious. Some of them are unconscious. This is exactly how you get scores like this. It's exactly how it happens every time. Well, when I say, oh, you know, we are watching at home, it seemed so clear to some of us. Right. Understand something. And this is impossible to believe unless you have experienced it. This is why I tell people, please, for the love of God, when your local community starts putting on local fights again, pay the money to get a fucking ringside or cage-side seat. Watch the fights and then go home and see what it looks like on video if that's op an opportunity for you. They don't look the same. Not every time, not all the time, often. Often. And the judges don't sit together. They sit in different cage positions and so, from our position, which is the one from television, did it look like Max probably should have taken round three? Yes, it did. I think m many observers, if not most, would agree with that. The problem is, it may not have looked that way to two of those judges. In fact, quite clearly it didn't. And then the fourth and the fifth rounds, they just sort of rode with Volkanovsky at that point anyway. So, if you want to be irate, I'm not telling you to not be irate. What I'm trying to tell you is, look at the layers of failure baked into this scoring criteria, where we don't know what that person saw and heard relative to that person, relative to this person, relative to the camera, and how each of those things impacts assessment. On top of that, you add in their conscious biases and their unconscious biases. Are they a former boxing judge or are they not? Are they someone who wrestled at some level, or are they not? Are they jiu-jitsu black belts, or are they not? Do they prefer, you know, strikers versus grapplers, or vice versa, or do they not? All of those things bake into perception. Then you add two guys who were very competitive for those final three rounds. It was close. Dude, this is what you're going to get every fucking time. You think this is the last time this is going to happen? You're going to get it again. And again, and again, and again. Because the, the scoring criteria makes it this way. It's not a fucking accident. It's not. It's not. Everybody wants to be like, those fucking judges, 
they're so incompetent. I'm not here to defend their competency per se, but even if they're just, you know, mediocre in terms of their competency, a bad scoring criteria and a bad system is going to make a, a, even a, a good to like, okay, judge bad. It's what you're going to get. This is what I'm trying to tell folks. You want to be mad, be mad, you know, but just train your guns on the right target. The right target is the scoring system because a 49, well, not 49, a 48-47 for Volkanovsky, while incomprehensible to certain people, I'm telling you, man, I've been around enough the, the fight game enough to see this shit just keeps happening. Why does it keep happening even when they shuffle out the judges? Oh, we have to get good judges. Dude, I've seen fights where you had three good judges and they can't agree. So why is that? It's because the system they are operating in makes them this way. Good judges or mediocre judges in a bad system are not going to give you optimal results. That's why we are where we are. That's why it looks like what it looks like. Okay. So I know it probably sucks to hear that. You know, here I am telling you like, you got to appreciate Kamaru and then you have to kind of accept this result. I'm not telling you have to accept the result as like a great demonstration of accuracy or something, but in a system this open-ended that allows for all that nonsense to be baked into assessment. And the judges, by the way, they may not use their monitors. They may not have access to instant replay in the way that we do. They don't have access to the numbers. They don't talk to anybody else. And they have to write their score down immediately after every round. They have to turn it in. Someone collects it. Or there's an electronic system where they have to put it in and they don't get it back. Right? So, boom, they got to fire it in before the next round starts. It's a fucking terrible way to judge fights. It is a terrible way to judge fights. And I don't think it's the best. I think a system that sort of takes a step back and says, wait a second, which guy really showed himself to put it on the other guy? Because if you judge it by the one or the pride system, you'd say, wow, Max won two rounds. Even if you want to give Volkanovsky the last three, he never won any of those in the way that Max won the first two, right? So what you could say under the one system is, okay, maybe Volkanovsky kind of edged it out in the last round, right? And, 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 uh, uh, Max took the first two. So what do we do about rounds three and four? Kind of a wash, right? Something like that. So then you would just give it to Max. But we don't have that system, do we? We have a system where each round has to count. And what you do in that round, even if you got dropped early in the fight, if you just kind of eke it out after that, good enough. Good enough, man. Okay, well, that, there it is. That's uh, from the Luke Thomas live chat. If you want to take a look at that on uh, YouTube, you can go back and listen to the whole thing. Um, <clears throat> but for this segment, rules, this, I wanted to touch on the scoring system, the 10-point must system in this case, the scaffolding by which uh, the, the fights are judged. And uh, obviously there's a lot of lot to unpack there, a lot of different points, but you know, even down to the different judges' physical perspective and how they visibly are going to be seeing different things because they're in different positions at cage side. So um, I want you guys to give me your thoughts on, on what you just heard, and, and yeah, go for it. You know, I, uh, I didn't think about it as where, what the judges see, like where they're positioned until I heard that. There's so many different things that come into it, but that's one of them too, yeah. That's why when I talk about having five judges and two of them being off-site, not listening to the crowd noise, and using television monitors, using the technology we have, because that's a different visible, that's a different perspective. You see it differently. Go ahead. But um, I never really understood the scoring system. I still don't very much, because you have so much to consider. You have ring control, you have or cage control in this uh, instance. Significant strikes, strikes landed. What makes a strike significant? You know, um, if 
I get caught with a jab and I'm an easy bleeder, is that now a significant strike, even though it didn't do anything to me? There, that's exactly one example that will really um, challenge the, the the layers of rules that they try to put in to answer all those questions you just asked because yeah. they have uh, significant grappling and significant striking is the top tier. Like, it's literally in an ascending order. You do not go to the next category unless the, to- the first order or first category is exactly considered even in your mind. So if the striking and grappling are exactly considered even in that mind, then now you go down to, for instance, like a, um, damage. Or, or or aggression. I need to look at the exact list so I don't miss no more, especially in this segment. This segment rules, right? But I'm going to be using doing and putting up visual aids for these segments on my Instagram, and I already have one, which is the um, judging criteria under the Unified Rules of Mixed Martial Arts, which is literally posted on the UFC website. So after this episode is posted, actually probably Wednesday or so when I post the This Segment Rules um, segment on its own, I'm going to be posting some visual aids. So some of that might answer at least the written down you know, protocol to, to what your question is. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a very important thing, like you said, because damage is one of those criteria. And if you are an easy bleeder, as you put it, and the visible damage happens more readily on one person versus another, given scar tissue or things like that. Yeah. That's going to go into their assessment, potentially, of the effective strikes causing effective or a significant damage, right? So that's a very interesting, unique um you know, part of it, nuance that challenges the fact that they think they have put a rule in place to mitigate that. But no, if you're an easy, you know, if, you, if damage is more easily inflicted on you versus others, because that does exist between human beings, that There's kind of challenges people that. At, for instance, at the gym when we spar, you pop them with a jab, they start bleeding. Even though you didn't pop them hard, it was just a touch, you know? Yeah. They'll be gushing blood. Yeah. It's like, well, on the outside, it looks like you hit them hard or you did some damage, but you didn't, you know? Absolutely. So go ahead. Keep going. It seems like a lot, too, that you were going through right now, like how you're saying that they can't advance to the next category on scoring until they meet the criteria. Yes. So a lot for somebody to be thinking about while they're in a fight. You know? Well, that's person fighting doesn't have to worry about that. This is the judge themselves. It's a lot for right? judge to consider. But no, you have well, to yeah. submit. In I a see minute. what you're saying. They have though. a minute to submit this. Uh, but I see what you're saying though, as far as the fighter themselves. Normally, you want to be aware of the criteria by which you're being scored, and obviously how that plays a role in like your game plan or, or you know how you're planning on executing your fight. You know. Yeah, it's just, and this whole topic plays a. Um, it kind of hits to home. Because of the last fight I had for the IFS, mm-hmm. where in my mind I was dominating, you know, absolutely. And uh, I think even you had said that it looked close, right? Originally, then, and then I rewatched it yesterday, right? Yeah, I yeah. You you yeah. mentioned it, and it's crazy when you look back because angles are everything, positioning is everything. And I found out out, you know, after that fight because I knew I won that fight. There was no doubt in my mind. I knew I put pressure on him. Mm-hmm. I knew I checked like 90% of everything. I threw the harder shots. I rocked him in the third round, which now thinking about it, the other two judges probably didn't see. Okay. You know, but, and I lost due to a split decision. Yeah. Which, and the numbers, I think, were kind of cr- something crazy. It was like, I forgot what it was. It was 29-28, 29-28, and then 30-27 oh, yes. For me. Okay, so, yes, Harvey. I mean, I didn't even think about I mean, obviously it did, but not, like, to this extent. How you are one of the best examples in terms of that scoring issue because he had uh, two flip-flop 30-27s where one judge thought he Harvey won all three rounds, right? Yeah. And then the other judge thought the other guy won all three rounds, and then the guy in the middle thought it was two rounds to one for the other guy, correct? Yeah, it was something crazy, and it's, that's why that fight in particular, I was like, man, that sucks. I feel him on that one, you know? know 
So. Absolutely, because you you knew, and probably even your opponent knew, you know what had transpired in that ring each round. He and a thousand so percent knew. He told me in the ring. He's, I said, "Hey, man, you know, good job. You did great." And he's like, "Honestly, dude, you're the shit. I don't know how I won." And you could see it throughout the whole night after that. You know, yeah. I I, I shrugged it off because it is what it is. Like, there's nothing I could do about it anymore. Mm-hmm. I had, uh, I think there was two more of my teammates that were gonna fight. So sure, I was just trying to get on and have a good night and be there for my teammates and. You could see him in the back. He was just icing his chin for somebody who just won. Yeah, you could see body language wasn't he there. He was so disappointed and sad. I was <laughs> like, dude, when I got my trophy the last time, I was ecstatic. Absolutely. But you actually yeah. won. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. It's a, I'm so glad. And you, and no it's, an inter- it's an internal thing. You know. Yeah. yeah no you disrespect just know. to my opponent. He's a, he's a great, great dude, you know, sweetheart and everything, but he knew he lost. And even his coaches knew. Like, they, they told Frankie or – they looked at Frankie. He's like, "Sorry, what are you gonna do?" Yeah, because you know? it's it's it is what it is. That's one of the problems with this syst- uh, this this issue is that you know it's so systematic and built in that people have to just kind of go. It is what it is, and and that's why nothing ever changes, right? Um, so I'm so glad you were able to share that personal story, obviously, and to to respond to it. And um, this doesn't just apply to your fight, but an oversimplification uh, of how I kind of. Um, talk about the that subjectivity and the different biases that Luke Thomas was referring to in terms of the judging and the judges themselves. I just kind of overgeneralize and try to simplify it by saying it depends on what you put emphasis on as a judge and what you're giving credit to the most. And and so, for instance, some people will appreciate the fact that someone's being elusive and backing up and using angles and defensive, not getting clipped and countering and hitting their opponent over and over and over and over and over again. Where and someone else might see it as running. And someone else might see it as that person, yes, putting pressure on the other person, making them back up and feel uncomfortable. And they're not educated enough to necessarily see all those angles you were referring to and yeah. seeing the footwork and the things you're doing to be defensive and elusive and to execute your style of fight, not get hit and be hitting and causing damage, right? So it's just, I just kind of always chalked it up to a subjectivity of the, of the judge and what they give credence to, right? But there's so many other layers to it, including... It, it, it made sense, yeah. too, when he said, like, it depends where they're at, because they're, like, <coughs> the angle at which you're at, too, you know, they're they're not at eye level. You would think it's a better lower. seat, but sometimes it's worse, because they got to look up and through. You know, I thought front row seats would be the best when I went to some of the bel- local Bellator shows, yeah, they're actually worse. You're better off getting the higher seats because you get a better view of yep. what's going on. Down it's into like the watching cage. it on TV. Yeah. Yep. When you sit really close, you, people don't realize the turnbuckles get in the way. Yep. Even the cage itself. And if they're on the opposite side. On the ground. you got to stand yeah. up to see where the hell they are. Yep. It's, not, it's not a good... People There's will stand so on their chairs. By being in... Uh, and you're lower, too. There's just so much you miss you don't see or you think you saw them do this. Like... You think they landed a punch, but you didn't see that they rolled with it or, or they slipped it. It's you find yourself looking straight up and breaking your neck and looking at the big monitor sometimes when you're literally 10 feet from the action. It's yeah. funny. When my first UFC fight that I went to watch, it was Ronda Rousey versus Liz Carmouche. Damn. Uh, what a fight. Right? A historical fight. But I found myself watching the screen instead. It's I was crazy. there live. It I, happens. I do yeah. that a lot, too. It happens. Yeah. It's weird. Because you, you don't miss as much, you know? Yeah. And that's all proving the point that most people don't really... 
think about in terms of the judges. And I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not over here being an apologist for judges. I give them shit, and every time, I even jokingly say Dundasso, like there's always one out of the three that's a plant so they can make it swing one way or the other. Like I'm just, but I'm just saying, like I'm not here defending judges. But Hey, man, I'm with you because I blamed the judges for the longest time, but after hearing what he was saying, it makes sense. For now. the longest time. <laughs> and that's just one of the many things he was there's pointing so out. There's so many things that comes to the bias consciousness, their yeah. perspective, uh, their knowledge of the sport, what they've done. There's so many things that come to play. It's very true. Like, and if the you judges know, know that criteria the we're talking about that they're supposed to, f- you know, f- follow and form to as yeah. well. I'm a big so. I mean, you could go many ways, but one thing I'm big on is a uh, a point scoring system. Um, obviously, you need a good view to score points, right? Yeah. I don't care about significant strikes and strikes. I, I do, but at the same time, I care about who lands more. And damage does come to a play with significant oh, strikes. Absolutely, but yeah. I, 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 I'm a guy who, if if my fighters fight, I watch back, and I say, you landed, you blocked, you blocked, you blocked, you landed, you landed, he landed, you landed. And, and, and from that total, I see who landed more and who was more defensive. Uh, I, I'm a big... Uh, proponent for uh, a, a point system. Um, obviously, you have to occur in damage and stuff like that. That's why I like seeing the numbers because the the fight was close. The fight was really close, right, for Max Holloway and Alex yeah. Volkanovski. On paper, point-wise, significant strikes, Volkanovski does better, okay? He's 137 for 102. But now we have to put into play. The striking system, for me, I, you can't go based off just a point system. I know that. There's more to play. you got to go off of takedowns, pressure, um, and then a big thing for me would obviously be knockdowns. And you were yeah. talking about and, like judging you know, the knockdowns. fight. Of, you were judging, yeah. talking about judging the fight of a, as a whole. So like momentum and like how if someone's really close to finishing one person at one point in the fight because they're really rocked and hurt yeah. versus the other person pointed them out the whole fight. That I'm not saying both of them aren't like effective in certain ways, but I feel like when, if you're close to almost finishing someone, you're really hurting them, putting it on them um, at one point. Like, would, that's got to weigh it, into and it. And it should. Yeah. And it should. Especially if a guy, let's say a guy lands 100 jabs, but you land 30 crosses, but every cross rocks him. But he All doesn't right. get put out. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm, I, clearly, the, the jabs were less effective, so and you almost got dropped a bunch of times. Too, right, know? so you, know, you can look at that that way. But when it comes to fights, but still, that comes into play, right? So you could say uh, knockdowns or you being rocked, or that could be a cumulative of five points or points. Is, right? Obviously... All these things come into play. Sure. It's you got good people with good poker faces, too, that yeah. like can no-sell certain shots. Exactly. And then the perspective thing. I, I, for me, I, I like to go off how I pick fights and how most people do. is like he landed a lot more, he was more active, and he rocked him a few times, right? Yeah. Um, and and just, just you can tell. You can feel the momentum. Uh, and now he, Luke Thomas made a good point about uh, just the uh, perspective. Something that I didn't really think about. Well, we have thought about it. I, I, I know we a long time ago, me and you discussed that yeah. the judges should be not by the ring. We just I, I, I brought up the fact that they should be like in a VIP booth with three monitors. Yeah. And they should be able to see the fight the way we see it so they can see it from all angles. And there's so many different this segment rules like rule like yeah. concepts that I could do based off these things we're talking about because we're talking about the exact list of the order of how you, you know, score and judge rounds. The thing I'm gonna put online gives you the judging criteria which includes like a ten ten round, ten nine round, things like this. Uh, but then what you're talking about as well is like utilizing the technology that in some commissions is against the rules to use 
use instant replay or not, right? And so it's like just having them not be there, be in a separate room, whether you add two or keep it just Which three. Is, that's whatever. ridiculous there's, to me. There's like, like rules. Hey, you can't use instant replay. You can't double check and make sure you make the right call. It's like it's weird. <laughs> it's in like some what? St- in some yeah, states, I, you can use it, but if you use it, it's when the fight's over. So it's like you have to call, like, for instance, that's a foul. The guy can't continue. Okay, it's over. So then we can use instant replay to see if it was uh, intentional DQ or not or things like this. Like you can. I think instant replay is a good one. I think it's cool. I think they try to avoid it because the fact that it's going to prolong that one minute that's and it true. could cause issues with That's submitting right. scorecards on time. and But overall, I think a, a big problem is the perspective of the judges. Yeah. I, and I think it's where they are. I think they need to be able to see the full fight with all camera angles. But I thought about this point, And then I thought about, well, okay, yeah, when you make it to the UFC, because it's on camera. Yeah. But but the, the scoring cards... The regional MMA, cards aren't going to have like, these. Like, there like were a camo? lot of shots that uh, I think w- instant replay, like when they called low blows... There was a lot when they when we saw it on Instagram. Didn't replay, look I was like, like low. Yeah. They didn't look lower. They looked like they were on the lower yeah. gut. The, the, the you belly. know, and yeah. the ref's angle too plays a part whether it looked like a low blow. But like what I was about to say is, with with, it's like how do you find that happy medium by by having like cameras separate because. When you get the UFC or Bellator, it's on TV, right? Yeah. But like when you fought IFS, there's no cameras. There's no cameras. So we can't put them somewhere and have cameras unless they want to invest in doing that. And the, but that means the whole state athletic commission and it has to change. The only reason and we know is because we had our own camera guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So. S- the problem is, is can we implement that? Well, and there's this whole like concept of being a purist in terms of sport and letting things play out in real time, right? That's why there's even, um, you know, resistance to. I mean, it's changed now, but in the NFL and other things like that, with referees and how they they're calling things as they happen, and 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 it's just part of the sport that sometimes the ref, being human, makes the wrong call, and you exactly. just got to move on. Yeah. And this purity of the sport of it just happening in real time. So I get that, and 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 with fighting in general, people really try to keep as much. Like, we were just talking about Mark Goddard or other people, like, interjecting themselves into the fight. Um, and so some people just say, you know, try to keep it pure and not touch it, let the fight play out, you know, all on its own, right? So the more these things are, are put in, the more you could be, as your guys were kind of pointing out, changing and slowing the, the momentum potentially of the fight or in between the rounds when the judges only have a minute to submit their card if they're now trying to review something or something like that. Will, will that distract them? Who knows, right? Yeah. So... I don't know. It's an interesting concept. It's an interesting thing to talk so about. It's it's a lot to talk about, guys. But, I mean, we could be talking about this all night. Yeah. And we got the next card to call, guys. So uh, go ahead and shoot D-Love an Instagram or hit him up on Twitter. Um, his, his, his Instagram and his Twitter is? It's at D-Love underscore 84 on Twitter, at D.Love underscore 84 on Instagram. And, yeah, let me know what you think of the first installment of this segment, Rules. Thank you, Harvey, for participating. You had a lot of good points. Thank you so much. Thank you guys Nate, for having me. Absolutely. I, yeah. I'm having a great time. This is an excellent episode. So having a great time. I hope you, uh, as listeners, are enjoying it as well. Um, again, please do go to Apple and iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a positive review if you have enjoyed the show thus far. And let me know what you think about the new segment. I hope you guys enjoyed it, but that is it for the first installment of this segment rules this segment All right, so before we go over UFC Fight Night 172 and give our picks and everything, real quick predictions challenge recap. Nate kicked my ass, and Pedram did as well. 15 points to, for Nate, 14 points for Pedram to my five. You cleaned up, you got four points on the Prochaska fight with the exact round method, everything. So congratulations to Nate on that one. He overtook me. He was behind by five, 90 to 95. Now he's up 105 to my 100. So. Woo! <laughs> 
Oh, I came back. Yeah, so good job, Nate, and good job, Pedram, in fact. And as I told him before. That's because Pedram just piggybacked off of me, though. Yeah, he did a lot of your same <laughs> no, picks. He, he did but uh, he we did told him before he can come back whenever, but especially with that kind of a performance, brother, let us know when the next episode yeah. you want to come back is. So. We'll see how Harvey performs on the next predictions for UFC Fight Night 172, baby. That's Ooh. right. Hey, uh, Nate, I got a quick question for you. What? I'm looking around here. It's a nice setup. You got you got some nice paintings, nice pictures. But um, how come none of these pictures of the U.S. Open have uh have me in it? Oh, <laughs> other than the group one, you got some here. There's the one. Champs. There's one no, with no, no, you no, no, in no. it, man. The, the group sick, one. The group one sick doesn't burn. Count. You got the champs. I get that. Then you got like a nice focus here of Logan. <laughs> I get it. He's pretty. You got one of Bama. The funny and thing you is, got is, another one of Bama. You know what? I have a good point here. Not. I have not, a great point here. Those other guys, but the funny thing is, actually, I think Nate likes you better than all those other guys. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're, like you're, you're cooler. I so love you more than any you, you, My picture, you have a shrine of it. In oh, that, that must <laughs> be what it is. That's actually my spank bank. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> uh, and you are up there, and it's in the group picture. But uh, to be honest with you, I didn't take any pictures in the U.S. Open with my, you. My no. My wife took all the pictures. Oh, Iris. So I got a bone to pick with Iris? <laughs> yeah, dude. And that's not a bone you want to pick. No. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but I'm, I'm in there. I'm in there. Yeah, you're picture. in there, dude. That's you're in the enough. group picture. I mean, Come uh, and you know why? Come I think. On. And also, I didn't corner you for. Did I corner you for your fight? If you yeah, did, it was you didn't you remember. And it was me and Jason. That's right. That's even worse. That's right. And you won that fight. Digging I don't care. Level. I don't care what <laughs> anyone says. There, there, that that seems to be a reoccurring theme in my life. I I won that fight. I, you know what? It, uh. no, no, me and him call it now. We like we call it when when a fighter when we think someone fight like Volkanovski versus Holloway, it's called getting Harveyed. Yeah, I, re- I remember. Hearing <laughs> that mean, that I say episode. that. I said that last night. It's like yeah. he got Harveyed, bro. Because you won, you've won every fight I've seen you fight. And yeah. it's just you're really good in your heavyweight, but you're really good at fighting backwards. Yeah. And, and most people and, and cannot fight going backwards and, and, and moving. He can and go like both directions. And you out, you outstrike the crap out of everyone you do, yeah. and 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 defend majority of of shots. So My output, I will say, is gnarly for a heavyweight. For a heavyweight, super heavyweight. So when I whenever so. I watch Shout your fights, Coach I'm just e. like, no, I'm just <laughs> the yeah. problem is you fight backing up. Yes, you, you know. But that's in and that's not a problem. That's not a problem as a fighter and as a coach. That's awesome. That you can do both things, but to like a, a fan's perspective, like, oh, he backed up the whole time, though. He wasn't in the Because I had a mountain coming at me. And defended and took angles and landed, and damage, landed damage without getting landed on. If I wow. could fight backwards and not have to press and exert any energy, I'd do that all day. By the way, that opponent had 104 pounds on me. Incredible. Yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, so shout out to Harvey for not, I mean, where's the shrine? Is it in the closet? Is that what it is on the other <laughs> side of this door? Well, it's uh, yeah, but it's going to be moved soon, in the so. back backyard in the shed. <laughs> All right, guys, well, we're going to take a, a look at UFC Fight Night 172, headlined by Calvin Cater versus Dan Ige. I mean, that fight is going to be phenomenal, and the co-main Tim Elliott versus Ryan Benoit is probably going to be exciting Ooh, as well. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Rivera, Cody Stamen as well is going to be exciting, but it's not the most stacked card, especially compared to what we've been having the last few weeks in UFC 251. But starting off at the bottom, Jorge Gonzalez taking on Kenneth Berg, Jack Shore, Aaron Phillips, Diana Belbita versus Liana uh, Jolo. Oh, help me out there, Joju, Jojua, Jahua, Jojua, Jared Gordon, Jared Flash Gordon taking on Jeff Gordon, taking on Chris Fishgold. That's gonna be a good Jared Johnson versus Jeff Gordon, Modestus, man, Modestus Bukaskas versus Andreas Michelatis, Molester Bukaki. This guy must love those uh, Hispanic drinks. That was funny. Spices. You guys should laugh. You know what I said? 
<laughs> yes, I Molester exactly Bukaki, that was so good. That's, Come on. It is. It's pretty disgusting, too. I'm sorry I was too focused on the next joke I was trying to do, which is Michelades is this guy's next, this guy's last name. He must These be loving those Michelades. Uh, Andreas uh, Muchachos. Ricardo Andres. Ramos taking on Lerone Murphy. Um, I think Ricardo Ramos is a new and exciting prospect. Take a look at that fight. John Phillips taking on Kamzat. Uh, Chimney out. <laughs> Coming down the chimney. Man, you are being tested today. With I your absolutely. Oh, here's another good one. Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. Hey, Al that one wasn't that bad. Yeah, that versus Monir Lazez, maybe? Then, and then Molly Meatball McCann, former scheduled opponent against Ashley Evan Smith, didn't end up happening in London. Molly McCann taking on Talia Santos. Jimmy Rivera again. Cody Stamen, Tim Elliott, Ryan Benoit, Calvin Cater, Dan Ige. So yeah. let's just, we're going to break down the top three fights here. Um, Nate, won't you take us away? Take it away. We're going to take a look at Jimmy Rivera versus Cody Statement. This should be a pretty close fight. Um, both of them have been going to decisions. Cody Statement, especially, a couple of his fights have been by split decision. Um, he had a draw in there with Song Yedong. Yeah, so um, for with Long Dong over there, um, Long Song Ladong. Bring it in, ding dong. <laughs> anyway, sorry for my bad jokes. Um, I like him. I keep it short and sweet. Uh, Jimmy Rivera is much more experienced. Um, he is on a losing streak. He's lost his last couple fights. But Cody Stamen usually goes to split decisions. But Jimmy Rivera has fought uh, tougher guys, much tougher guys. Uh, Cody Stamen still working his way up. But Cody Stamen, you know, he's got potential. But I think Jimmy Rivera is finally going to get a win. Uh, I think he's going to put, put things together. Uh, so I'm going to say Jimmy Rivera, decision. Unanimous decision. All right, Harvey, you go for it. I'm actually going to go and, and agree with Nate on this one with Jimmy Rivera, um, especially because he really needs a win. But the losses that he does have are against the top-level guys, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's my pick. I'm going with Jimmy. All right, so for the prediction on this show, we give you points for fighter, right? If they're an underdog, you get an extra point there. And then you have to pick method of victory. So, um, And then if you go decision, split or unanimous does actually get you a, a point. So uh, how do you think he gets it done? I'll go with uh, unanimous decision. All right. And did you go unanimous, Nate? I, I don't remember. Okay, cool. All right. So that takes care of you two. What am I going to say? No, Cody, Cody Stamen had a good performance against uh, Boom Kelleher last time. And obviously dealing with everything he was dealing with with regards to, I believe it was his brother had just passed away a week or two prior. And, and I mean, it was it was a good it was a good performance, but who knows how much that affected him? And and generally, fight to fight, he does look like he's improving. Um, he's very well rounded, heavy heavy puncher. Um, I'm assuming. Let's see, uh, is this fight a featherweight fight? Oh yeah. Okay, so in his last fight against Brian Kelleher, he he was up a weight class. You know, coronavirus times. He, a lot of people were kind of fighting up a weight class, and so it looks like he's con- going to continue his campaign at 145, taking on Jimmy Rivera. I, I can. I want to echo the same thoughts you were saying, Nate. Like, Jimmy's competition and, and Harvey, the competition that Jimmy's faced has definitely been top tier compares, compared to Cody Stamen. Cody Stamen's more like on the come up, as you'd expect, right? Facing tougher and tougher challenges. But Jimmy Rivera's been at the top for a while. So, is it kind of a passing of the torch situation, or is Jimmy Rivera going to um, hold his ground and, and, you know, prove a point that he's still still here, or still a force to be contended with yeah. at the top? So, this one's tough to call because the reason why I picked Jimmy Rivera. Is that Cody Stamen? His last couple of fights have been really close, like split decisions. Yeah, um, and he's fighting a guy like Jimmy Rivera. So when I when I look at that, I think, well, it's definitely not going to be. It's going to be close again. Like Cody's not doesn't have a chance to finish Jimmy. I don't see a finish happening. And Jimmy's faced high talent, and Jimmy has some finishes on his on his record. So it's and Jimmy can pop. 
So, yeah, it's a tough one to call, man. He's got yeah. a cool nickname, too. El Terror. El Terror. That's nice. Um, okay, you know what? You've convinced me. And, and Cody Stamen being up a weight class. Jimmy Rivera has been a 145er for a while, meaning, um, I, you know, I might make, I keep mistake. I always mistake him with fucking Chad Mendez because they look exactly like the same. They're both like these shorter, stockier dudes. So, I mean, I could be. I got to look back into Jimmy's career, but. I think you may have a, a little bit of a st- size and strength advantage just due to the fact that Cody normally fights down at 135. Um, and with that veteran, you know, that experience level, back up against the wall, as Harvey put it. I'm going to go with you guys. I'm going to go Jamie Rivera. And I, I tend to agree with you that Cody's kind of tough to put away himself, and it's going to be a high-paced, frenetic-paced fight. So let's go Jamie Rivera, unanimous decision as well. All right, moving up the card. We're only going to do the three tonight, so we're going to do the next one, which is the co-main event. Tim Elliott taking on Ryan Benoit, or Benoit, however you pronounce it, I'm not sure. Tim Elliott, the one, you, if you have, if you don't know, the one that won the Ultimate Fighter flyweight series, uh, season f- several years back, the one that they got a bunch of flyweight champions from other organizations to try to contend and challenge uh, Demetrius Johnson. Tim Elliott definitely gave a, a good account of himself in that fight against DJ, but came away in the loss, so... He's been up and down, hasn't had a lot of success, you know, as you'd expect with how well he did against DJ, but he hasn't had a lot of success since. He's coming off a couple losses, a few submissive losses. So um, definitely, and in this case, I think his back's kind of against the wall as well. His career might be somewhat on the line. But Ryan Benoit, Benoit, I don't know which way to say it. Um, He's definitely an up-and-comer. He's had uh, some success, uh, some exciting fights. Um, is, is definitely someone to keep an eye on. So it's going to be interesting to see um, if he can kind of build himself in a name off of someone like Tim, El- Tim Elliott. So who wants to go first here? I'll go for it. I, I'm going to go ahead and pick Tim <coughs> Elliott. Um, just because I think Ryan's had some uh, issues with wrestlers, and I know uh, Tim likes to take people down. And uh, so that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Tim Elliott, uh, unanimous decision. All right, with the takedown, wrestle fest. Yeah, and I'm gonna agree with Harvey there. Um, it's I, I'm gonna say I'm assuming Tim Elliott's probably the underdog for this fight. Let's look. I can yeah, check the odds look. right now. Actually, no, he's the favorite. You know what? I'm gonna say Ryan Benoit. I, you know, he does have some trouble with wrestlers, but um, something that Tim Elliott has is he gets submitted a lot, so he takes people down. But as soon as he gets them down, they submit him. That's true. You know, so, and um, you know. I'm going to give it to the younger, fresher guy. Um, and I'm going to say, I'm going to say Ryan Elliott as my underdog pick. You know, Elliott? <laughs> Put their two first <laughs> names together. That's oh, funny. Sorry. <laughs> Ryan Benoit. Uh, you know what? I'm going to say unanimous decision because I have to. I don't I don't see anything else happening. Um, so this hmm. is my underdog pick, guys. I, normally, I would go with Tim Elliott if I wanted to think of, like, how this fight would play out. Um, but I think Ryan Benoit is a young, an up-and-comer, and I think he'll be able to stuff some takedowns, and let's, ju- let's, let's see where it goes, really. Yeah. So that's, this is just for points, but let's go Ryan Benoit. All right, cool. I mean, Unanimous I'm decision. Okay, cool. I'm having a tough time as well. Split decision. You're going to go split? Split. All right. I'm going to go for the rare one. Uh, Tim Elliott, Ryan Benoit. I don't know which way this is going to go. I mean, I, I've, we obviously know it's pretty predictable what Tim Elliott's game plan is, and it's just – He's had some success in the past at getting it where he wants it, and his scrambling ability is, is second to none, but sometimes just the chaos that he brings to a fight is puts himself in weird positions that you know someone that at a high level is able to capitalize on. So he's he's been on the tough end of a couple bad losses, even though he was having success in those fights. So I really don't know what to, what to take from those losses. It's, 
And if he's and if Ryan Benoit is going to be the guy to to strap on a guillotine or do something like you said and, and put him in one of those positions, so like I, I, I can understand what you're saying. We'll see where this goes, right? This is a tough fight to pick. It's like I really don't know. I don't have a lot to go on. So nobody knows. You know why it's tough? Because when you look at Ryan uh, Benoit's stats, the three fights that he's lost were all due to uh, decision, and they were all him getting taken down. And each three of those fights, he was taken down more than five times. Damn. So that's the big issue with me going against Tim Elliott here, because if he's a heavy wrestler, Ryan Benoit is going to just probably lose by getting out wrestled. Yeah, the whole time. Well, but Tim Elliott has a lot of defensive liabilities because he is so unorthodox that he can get caught too. So we'll, you never know. I know from what I'm, excuse me, excuse me, what I remember of Ryan, um, he can crack when he on the feet when he does hit. So when he does land. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna shadow you on this one for the underdog points. I'm gonna go Ryan Benoit and I'm gonna go. Second round um, TKO. Ooh. Yeah, I think like an uppercut or something, right? When Tim Elliott's shooting desperate shot or something like that, an uppercut or knee. I can see that. I so, like these Well, we can hope for that. Guys. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that brings us to the main event. Calvin Cater, Dan Ige. Wait, did you give us your pick? Did I yes, skip I over did. you? No, okay. I, I'm going with Tim Elliott. That's Unanimous right. decision. That's right. Okay. Main event, Calvin Cater, Dan Ego, a couple of my two favorite up and coming fighters right now. This is one of those where I don't want either to lose and it's kinda like, damn, couldn't you have kept their career trajectories separate just because I want them to, to ha- continue to have success. But <clears throat> pardon me, at some point in time, if you're doing well at the top of the division, you know, you're gonna you're gonna meet. So Dan Ige coming off that somewhat controversial victory over Edson Barboza, um, taking on Calvin Cater, who uh, uh let's see, his last victory, who did he beat? I can't recall. I remember it was a good fight. What the hell? It was recent, too. That's right. He TKO'd Jeremy Stevens. That's correct. That was an exciting fight. How did I forget that? So, both of them coming off wins. Both of them look phenomenal, and both of them look in top form, especially, you know, all things considered in terms of the, the COVID situation. So, they both competed recently during the pandemic circumstances. So, they have more experience than others with the A, no crowd, and B, having to train in these weird time so I don't suspect that'll be an issue boxing is phenomenal with both I mean this is just a matchup that's got all the all the ingredients for fight of the night so uh, who wants to go first on this one I'll I'll go first let's do it so my pick is going to be Calvin um, because he's he's although Dan did beat Barbosa like you said uh, it was controversial Um, Calvin, I think, has another big name on there that he beat, but I forgot. But uh, uh, he thought he lost against Zabit, where a lot of people think he would have won if it was a five round fight because he was coming on strong in the yeah. third round. Let's take a look at his record so it's, you can refresh. Zabit's no joke. He's like top. He's Lamas. on the and, and Lamas. oh, he KO'd Lamas. That's yeah, right. So he, I mean, he's the names he's got on his resume. There are pretty good names. I think he's got top two, top three boxing in the UFC. Yeah. So I, I'm gonna go with Calvin, and I think it's gonna go. Don't go decision or. Because I think he's going to use his reach. I think he's got a. That's a like, big. That's yeah. a big thing in this. I think it's going to be. Uh, he's got great boxing and he's got reach. I think he's going to use his boxing. I'm, I just don't know. Mm. Okay, I'm going to take a chance and say he's going to. Uh, how many rounds is it? It's a main event, so five rounds. Okay, five rounds. All right, I'll say Calvin fourth round TKO. I think All he's right. going to catch him with something with his length, and then he'll probably drop him and ground and pound him the rest of the way. I think it'll be a TKO. Got it, Nate. Do you want to go? You know, he pretty much hit on the nail what I'm feeling, too. The hard thing about this fight is Danny Gay's on a, a five-fight win streak, right? He's killing it, but Calvin Cater's finishing people right now. And if Calvin even said it in his last interview, when I'm on, 
I'm on and I'm just uh, getting started. He's just getting on and I think his boxing is going to show he's only getting better. Um, there's just a huge power difference between Calvin Cater and Dan Ige. I think Calvin right now, you know, he's a finisher and he's hurting people. Um, and to put on the performance he did with Zabit, uh, man, and Zabit is just phenomenal. I'm going to say Calvin Cater as well. Uh, fourth round, you know, sounds more, excuse me, sounds more realistic for a TKO in this fight. It's going to be high pace. It's going to be a super fun fight to watch. But I'm trying to think if I should go third round or fourth. I know I was the same <sighs> way, but. I think fourth round TKO. Yeah. Because I think Dan Ige has plenty of uh, in him to survive three rounds uh, and not get dropped. But I think the fourth round is when he's he, he's not. It's going to be a five-round fight, and I think he, fourth round he's going to have to deal with. Uh, it's going to catch up with him eating some of these shots. Not saying he's going to eat them, I mean, but just who Calvin Cater's facing, and who he's dropping. And I, I just see the fight's so close. Both these fights are so close, but the one thing that makes me pick Calvin is that Calvin can finish at any moment. You know, Calvin's got that power. It's going to slow Danny Gay down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to it's gonna slow down the pace of Danny Gay, and I think Calvin Cater's going to be inch away. And I, and I think there's going to be a TKO here. He's a good one. If, three, if it's a three-round fight, I'd say Calvin Cater, you name a decision. But uh, five-round, I think Calvin Cater's going to finish him. All right. So, man, because these two guys, I like them so much, I don't want either to win. As I said earlier, I, g- I think you guys gave me um, a way, a path, a reason, a way to even come to a conclusion and make a pick because I, I, I had no idea which way I was going to go. Um, Calvin Cater, I like, he's, like I said, I think he has some of the best boxing in the UFC. To your point, Harvey's got the length, uh, both with height and reach. Um, I think Dan Ige is a phenomenal fighter and future uh, championship contender. I think both of these guys are. So that's why, as Harvey said, it's a good one. Um, I think just to go against you guys, because I think this is a coin flip fight. Either one of them could win. They're both that talented. I'm going to go with my man Dan, 50K Ige. Um, I'm cool with it. Yeah, and I'm feeling like you guys might be. I mean, think about how torn up he was with uh, Barboza in the third round, and like if that went a couple more rounds, like I'm seeing what you're talking about with that fourth, possibly even a fifth round stoppage by uh, Cater, Calvin Cater. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna think because Danny Gay I feel like has a little bit of a speed advantage, but just barely, and due to the fact that he's gonna have to get in and out and get close the distance more because he's the shorter uh, fighter. I think he's like 5'7", right? And yeah. And 5'11". Yeah, so I mean, that's going to negate that very slight reach. Uh, I'm sorry, speed advantage that I feel like he has. And then uh, Calvin, man, is boxing, uh, keeping people at the at the end of his punches and stuff like that's going to definitely be a strategy for him to crack. Ige trying to get and close uh, closing that distance. But it's going to be hard for him to close <laughs> that distance with um, the jab. Yeah, so I'm going to hope that his footwork, speed, angles, ability to get inside – uh, will play to his advantage and uh, he'll win a decision. I don't feel like he's going to put out Cater. Um, so I'm going to go Dan Ige with – I'll go a unanimous – see how the lack of confidence in me even <laughs> saying that word. I'll just go – I'll go split. It is the rare decision, but I'll, I'll pick a split decision just on the off chance that it's just a evenly – you know, it fought battle and that, you know, we're we're sitting here talking about how, yeah, man, I even thought Cater won, but I'll take the points because they got a split decision win, you know. I'm, I'm kind of maybe seeing that too. But I think my man Ige can get it done as well. Either one of them, I'll be happy with their success and sad for the other one's demise <laughs> in the fight. But that's where I'm going with the main event. Dan Ige gets it done. I'm down with it. 
All right. Well, thanks, Nate, for always helping me out with the show, as always. Mayo cheeseburger. <laughs> and, uh, man, thanks, Harvey, <laughs> man. Welcome. Appreciate you coming in, brother. Hey, Harvey, dude, guys. thank you so much, dude. Thank you guys for having me. I love you. All right, well, that about does it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for stopping by. I really hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, don't forget to go to Apple and iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and a positive review. And while you're there, don't forget to turn the notification bell on so you're on top of all the most current episodes. And while you're supporting a small independent podcast, please don't forget to check out and support the small local businesses that support the show, just like you guys by listening every single week. So make sure to check out Monique over at StrongWomenDesigns.com, my girlfriend Nora at DreamLoudCollections.com, Ricardo at Neighborhood Auto Care, Caesar at OC Party Rentals, Bill over at William Leach Chiropractic Services, Mac Noodles, Abachi Chef, Angie Snyder with Holistic Healing Services, and last but not least, of course, MMT Fitness. Check them out on Instagram. Make sure to come down and check out the gym. First class is always free. Exit Avery Parkway off the 5 Freeway. Thank you guys so much for checking out the show today, but that's it. I am through. Don't forget to check out next week's episode, but until then, guys, enjoy the fights.